If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everyone, to a very special conversation with Mike Matei. Uh, Mike has been a part of Cinemasker now for, what, 10 years? Wow. Um, he's one half of the Cinemasker channel. He's the compadre, longtime friend, and I guess you can say co-worker with James Rolfe in, in creating a lot of the AVGN episodes. He's uh, obviously one half of James and Mike Mondays. Um, <clears throat> he does the all oh, the Halloween videos every year. Uh, so he's been a large part of the channel. Um, and Mike, welcome. How you doing? Uh, this is uh, Mike and Patter Days. We're here. Mike and Patter Days. We'll see if this comes out actually on a Saturday. This is our new show, uh, Mike and Patter Days. Now we're, we're just fucking around. So, yeah. Uh, so we wanted to just talk about a, a few things just because, uh, you know, Mike, I know you've said you've listened to the podcast before. When you told me that, I was surprised since you never brought it up ever. Then again, we sort of have this weird relationship where we don't talk for a while, then we talk for a lot real quickly, yeah. then we don't talk again for six months. It's wow. very sort of a mercurial relationship we have. <laughs> I, I, I get very busy, so, uh, you know, I don't uh, – once in a while, I'll, uh, I'll be driving around in my car, and I'm like, all right, uh, listen to this music, listen to that. I'm like, you know what? I want to listen to, like, a show. Sometimes I put on a comedian. I like to listen to, like, stand-up comedians and stuff like that. But um, uh, So sometimes I put on your podcast when I'm driving around in my car, and I, I enjoy it a lot because, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm actually really uh, interested in. It's like – I don't want, I'm not going to listen to like a sports podcast because I'm not into that, you know? So it's great that there's somebody out there who's doing a video game related podcast. Um, I think it's an awesome idea that uh, you and Ian do that. And um, the things that you talk about, it's like good, you, you know, you talk about good topics. Uh, you talk, talk a lot about topical things, but then you go back and you guys talk about like old retro things and i like i like that stuff i like when you go back and you're like all right let's talk about the price of like nes games and stuff like that and then <laughs> then you guys will talk about something that's going on like right now so it's really good i, I really like your podcast a lot actually i think it's good well thanks mike the check's in the mail uh but <laughs> no, no, what, no. What, what, what yeah. comedians do you enjoy Just... uh, i i really like george carlin uh i really like um uh louis ck Oh, he's, uh, he's number one right now. I'm you Michael. know, I, I like um, Chris Rock, uh, mm -hmm. just uh, Seinfeld. Uh, you know, sort of um, all all. I just listen to all kinds of stand up. You, you like the standards. You like the standards. I like the standards, and I, I like I like more obscure guys too. I like Doug Stanhope. Uh, sometimes Stanhope? you know he was kind of out there, but uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Check out Patrice O'Neill. He passed away about four years ago, but he's an insanely funny guy. Okay. Um, Chris Rock once said he's he's funnier than him. Like he was serious too. Yeah. And he died of uh, di diabetes related complications a few years ago, unfortunately. But he was he was outstanding. He he basically self sabotaged his own career. He could have been so much bigger, but he hated working in Hollywood. So he sort of, you know, he sort of self sabotaged. Do you do you listen to stand up comedy too? Uh, yeah, I, I tend to watch from time to time. I like seeing it live. I saw uh, Jim Gaffigan a few years ago. Uh, locally here, it was great because as I walked out, J.K. Simmons was sitting right there as I walked out. And I was like, "Holy shit!" My girlfriend's uh, you know, mom is a huge fan of uh, Jim Gaffigan, so she she, she plays him for me when we're hanging out. Yeah, he's a, he's really funny, Gaffigan, and yeah. he's clean. It's very hard to have modern comics that are clean and be just as funny, if not funnier. Right. Guys like Brian Regan are, are I put in that category that are very funny comedians that work totally clean. 
and they have the respect of other comedians, even ones that are more popular because they've been working for like 25 years and doing their thing. So you've been working for 10 years on Cinemassacre. Um, uh, I've, well, people, I've been people. working with James um, since uh, college, actually. I met James and uh, oh. I met James on Bella Lugosi's birthday, actually. We recently figured that out. Uh, we, we were actually at... Um, uh, we both went to a school, an art school. James went for uh, film. I went for animation. And uh, we never, I don't think we had any classes together. We would hang out outside of school because we had uh, close friends, you know. And uh, we were having a party one night uh, in my apartment. And James came over uh, with a friend. And uh, he had just seen Ozzy Osbourne uh, in concert that night. And he had a photo with him with Ozzy. And um, but anyway, he came in and uh, we were playing like a card game. Uh, it was college, you know, we, we were drinking and stuff. And uh, James, uh, James... Uh, we were all drinking beer, and we were playing a game like, oh, if you win a hand, take a sip of your beer or whatever. And it was it was early on in college, and I think he you know he he was drinking like hard alcohol because uh, that's what he had with him. That that's all he brought. He didn't bring beer, so it would be like, okay, take take a sip if you lose. And every time he took a sip, he was taking a sip of vodka as opposed to beer. So by the end of the night, he was completely obliterated. And um, uh, he's and then he's like, oh man. Uh, Mike, uh, and this is the first time I ever met him, and he, he was like, he's like, I'm not feeling too good. I'm like, are you going to be all right? He's like, actually, I think I'm going to th- throw up. And I, I'm like, oh, shit. I reached down, and even back then I was into retro video game stuff. Um, mm-hmm. o- always have been. I reached down, I grab a metal Pac-Man trash can, and I pull it up, and it, he didn't make it, and he threw up, like, all over my arm. <laughs> and, and I was like... You know, I was like, Jesus, you know, and then uh, so then he ran down the hallway and he went into the bathroom and he was like throwing up in there. And then uh, then he then he then he left. And the next day he came back over and I hear a knock on the door and I come to the door and he's he's like, he's like, I'm so sorry about last night. He was like apologizing to me. I'm like, I'm like, it's no big deal. We we're having fun or whatever. He's like, but I, he's like, but I left my hat uh, in your place. Can I get my hat back? I'm like, OK, yeah, just come in for a minute. So he comes in. And uh, I'm looking around for the hat. I don't know where it is. Somehow, it, I, I think I grabbed it and I put it in my bedroom for whatever reason because there were other people over. And mm-hmm. um, so we go into my bedroom and I have all my, like, Transformer toys and nerdy stuff, you know, like this crap I got behind me here. And um, we walk in and he sees my, like, Transformers G1 stuff and he sees my Devastator action figure. And we get into a whole conversation about Transformers G1 and that was what really sparked our friendship is just talking about old transformer toys. And then we started like hanging out every day and playing Nintendo games. And that's how we became friends. That's how the bromance began. How, uh, how did you, how did you meet James? Puking, puking on his arm. Uh, that's funny. I don't Have you ever told that? Have you ever told that story before? I have, uh, I think uh, once we did a 10 year anniversary thing of AVGN, not, okay. not the 10 year, uh, pretty soon, the 10-year anniversary of when I created the YouTube channel, which is April okay. 6, 2006, that's coming up very shortly. But the 10-year anniversary from when James made the Simon's Quest video happened a couple years ago, because that was 2004 when he made that video. So that's already passed. Sure. And when that happened, there was a 10-year event, and I told that same story at that event. Sure. Yeah. How did you meet James? Okay. Uh so it was right before SGC 2010, which was the first um, convention I guess I was ever going to do a panel at. I've been doing YouTube videos for two years. I just moved uh, the summer before. So basically I did a whole string of my original Pat the Anius Punk videos for like I did about nine in about eight months or so, like a whole run of them. The classic Pat the Anius Punk. <laughs> you know, the, ones, yeah. the ones with bad lighting. and Season one of Pat, yeah. 
Yeah. Pat was season so much one. better in season one than he is now, yeah. right? So much better. <laughs> yeah. You know, the videos that were twice as long with half the half the material. Um yeah. anyway, so so I sent you know, I said, What the hell? I'll email some of the people going to SGC two thousand ten. It was like uh James was going, you know, you had Nathan Barnett, who I didn't know at the time, uh, you know, Keith Apicary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and then you had Spoonie. Mm-hmm. And you know Jared was there. That was when Jared was working at ScrewTech. He wasn't a huge uh, commodity like he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just emailed a few people, like Spoonie. Uh, we were trying to set up to do a crossover video, which we ended up doing, which was a Highlander Endgame crossover. It's a whole other conversation. Right. But I ended up saying, "Hey James, you know we're, we're going to be at SGC. I'm doing a panel. You're there. I think I said I think you're from New Jersey. I think I knew he was from like the Toms River area or something, South Jersey. Um, that, so yeah. I said, you know, check out some. I said check out some of my videos. I remember I sent him. Uh, the Russian attack video, which was the last one I did, and that was my first one in HD. When I had my first HD cam camera, which still had actually tapes, HD camcorder with a tape still, which I still own. And then I sent them like my first flea market madness for the hell of it, which was big on game trailers, and that came out one of the first, if not the first, you know, flea market type of videos when you search for games. Um, then I sent them a few others, and they actually responded to me. Now I realized even in 2010, James was probably getting like uh, 80 emails a day or whatever. Oh, I can tell you all about that. I'm the I'm the one that I'm the guy that goes through the emails and do you remember you know youtube doesn't even have like email really anymore or maybe it does they have but messages but it's like hard to find them it used, <laughs> to, it used to be different though it used to just be like there was a there was a better messaging system and it was sure. almost like email in, in in youtube and we used to get so many fucking like like <laughs> a million like i'm not even like there's like a million emails and well, i emailed directly though yeah oh, well that's what I was gonna get. Then, then we have our real emails. It's like Mike at Cinemassacre, James at Cinemassacre, and if you email that, you'll actually get them. But if you try to email YouTube, it's like literally like a million fucking messages. Like, all right, well, what are you gonna do? That, that's what was interesting part though. Is he actually responded, and I was like, wow, he must get tons of people saying, look at my shitty videos. Like, so to me, he was like probably one of twenty, but maybe you know it was a good day. I caught him. He actually read it. Mm. He actually responded saying he liked the videos. Um, I forget in particular if he, we said he liked one more or another, but it's like okay, maybe we'll meet up at SGC. You know, whatever. At the time, though, James is still this mythical figure in 2010 where it's like he's not a real person. You know, right. he's just he's like the biggest YouTuber in 2010. Right. Um, so uh, we go, I go to SGC. Uh, I do my panel. Uh, it was an awful time slot. It was like Saturday morning, at like 10 in the morning. No one was there. Um, not that there would have been that many more people anyway, but it was literally like 15 people. But I was 15. It was Jared, pro Jared. Spoonie and James sitting like the the fourth fifth row, like with his hat on, trying to make sure no one saw him. And people knew he was there, but no one was hassling him. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember at that panel, I, that was the first time I did the play the punk challenge, which is what I do at my panels now, where like I I challenge someone to play a wacky NES challenge, like Donkey Kong Junior Math, the Bubble Death Mass challenge. I remember trying to get James on the, up to play with me, but he wasn't having it. He was just sort of like, I'm just gonna sit here and do this. Yeah. So it was fine. It was a good panel. And then um, so what happened was he did his panel. And this SGC 2010 was like the average age. I'm not joking. The average age of people there was probably 15 or 16. Yeah. It was very young. You so had, did, like, they pro- did they even like understand like you're doing like Donkey Kong Jr. math? Are they like, what the fuck is this? Well, on my panel, it was slightly older, but I mean like in general, it was like it was a giant slumber party, SGC 2010. I don't know how SGC is now, um, but I don't know. Yeah. 2010, it was that was the Screw Attack fans. They were very young. They skewed mm-hmm. younger, which is fine. But for people like me and James, we were dinosaurs compared to these kids. Right. And actually, we were like 30 years old compared to like 16-year-olds. Right. So I remember James doing his panel, and it wasn't like he had any support group or anything. It was sort of loosey-goosey sort of thing. And so he does his panel, and he's walking out of the panel and getting mobbed by people. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in his panel. I was sort of like outside in the main area. And he sees me, and I can tell he's just getting mobbed. He's like, oh, shit. And so um, I said, hey, James, what's up? And he goes, oh, hey, Pat. 
you can walk with me. I think at that moment he saw some sort of kindred spirit. Like I was not only in his age group, but I was not just some sort of weird fan that was on top of him. And I, he can use me as a buffer. <laughs> He's like, you can protect me when when somebody you know tries to tackle me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he, I think he saw me as like a combination of, oh, he's a, he's a guy, I like his videos, but he can be a buffer and bodyguard against yeah. these 15-year-olds that are swarming right. me. I, so I know I know all about that. I've, I've done a lot of that at conventions. People will be trying to go yeah. after James, so, and I'm, I, then I jump in the way because it's like, you know. So I met James, I think, out of his own personal des- desperation. That's basically what yeah. happened. <laughs> so then, we up, then we ended up just getting lunch, you know, and no one bothered us, and we talked and whatever. Yeah. You know, it was, it was funny because at the time I was like, I better not say anything to – that he'll like anything bad or he'll, he'll dislike me because, you know, James is a cool guy and, you know, obviously he, he's a big YouTuber. So I, I, you know, it was like more pressure than a job interview eating that lunch gym just because, you know, I can't come off as some sort of asshole to him or also he'll never talk to me again. You know, right. it's like more pressure than when you go out with the first date with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I felt it. Right. I'm sure James can tell the story too. If he remembers, I remember, I remember though, that was when we, we sort of just started talking after that. That right. was wow. Six years ago already. Holy shit. Yeah. So then after that, we, we hung out at, I think, Comic-Con uh, about a month later. I think he came out, and we hung out at Comic-Con mm-hmm. in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So in terms of your responsibilities with Cinemassacre, you know, I know that you've done editing, you've done uh, writing, uh, you've helped curate, I guess, or help choose what, what games to, to play. And you, you still do that. You help decide what, what, uh, what games uh, go into a nerd video. Well, the best... Yeah, uh, the best way to explain that is really if you watch James and Mike Mondays, that's ex- essentially what we what we always used to do. Um, yeah. but we, we just didn't do it on camera. So um, <laughs> it, back when we uh, James did the famous you know TMNT episode, let's say it, James and I sat and played the game the same way we would in James and Mike Monday, and we wrote notes as opposed to doing a video. We were taking notes and stuff. And then um, I might have come up with a couple ideas or whatever because I'd be playing for a little bit and he'd play for a little bit and we'd go back and forth and then we'd take notes. And then he would then take all of our notes and he would go and make a script out of it, which is what it always is. So uh, a lot of times it's not that I'm writing it, but some of my ideas might make it into one of his scripts when he, when he puts it together. Cause we're playing the game together. So you might have a comment, a funny comment. He might say, Oh, that's not a bad idea. And I'll put it in. That, the script. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. So, um, uh, that, and then uh, obviously you've done uh, a lot of the title cards, especially a lot of the early episodes where you had the title cards in front. Which yeah. Are some, the so, classic AVGN episodes. The classic <laughs> AVGN episodes. So what happened with that was, um, uh, that was really early on. Um, James had made, the Simon's Quest video and the Dr. Jekyll video in 2004, and then in 2006, we had a job together in 2005, and then in 2006, uh, he was, James was hanging out over my house, and I was like, uh, we were playing the Karate Kid and a bunch of other games, and, uh, and for whatever reason, James decided to make another episode, and that was going to be the last of the, the trilogy. This is the Angry Nintendo Nerd trilogy, and that was the last one. He was going to make it better than the first two and put a little work into it. He made that video, and I was I thought that that was the best thing that he ever made ever at that point. Um, I thought it was so hilarious, and I was like, oh, my God, you got to make another one because we had this day job that we worked together, and he's like, he's like, nah, nah, it's a trilogy. I'm not going to that's, – that's enough of that. I'm going to make something else. And uh, I was like, I was like, no, like, this is really funny. I'd really like to do another one. He's like, no, really, it's a lot of work. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to make any more. And then I, I kept it up, like, because I was with him every day at work. And I was like, I was like, really, like, another, let's do another one of those, like, like, Nintendo videos. And he's, he's like, all right, like, I'll, I'll do, like, one more. Like, 
did you want to pick one? So we were hanging out later at his place, uh, which was the old nerd room from that time, like the TMNT era, you know, room. We we're hanging out there, and um, he had a stack of a shoebox full of Nintendo games, maybe like 15 games or something. I, I went through them. He's like, which one do you want me to do? And I picked out Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then we played it together. And, uh, you know, the I remember one of the things uh, that we had a whole joke about. James and I uh, had a whole conversation about the uh, nailing Roger Rabbit to the cross. And mm-hmm. that actually was a whole conversation that we had. There was supposed to be something about a Jesus Christ punching bag and this whole fucking big thing. And uh, we recorded it. It was like a nerd and rant thing. But what happened was the... Um, the audio cable was not plugged into the camera, so that whole like end rant was like lost. We were really upset about it. So there, so the Roger Rabbit episode was supposed to have a big funny end rant, and but gone because of anyway. So um, so that's when I first really started getting involved as far as playing the game with James, and that was the first four episodes, and then those were on the website, and then actually I think it was. Bootsy, or it might have been Bootsy, or it might have been another friend that was like, hey, have you seen this YouTube thing? And I was like, what's that? And he sends me a link or whatever, you know, on the computer, and I go to it, I'm like, oh, this is cool, like, they got, like, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe intro on there, that's awesome, like, you know, and I can watch, like, old commercials and shit like that. And then I'm like, all right, I'll sign up for a channel, and I'm like, oh, you can upload videos, you know, just learning about what YouTube is, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll make a I'll make a channel and I'll throw those Nintendo videos on there that I love so much, and so I t- I, t- I type in a channel I'm like all right what am I gonna call this all right uh, I'm uploading James's videos okay James it's about Nintendo n- the Nintendo nerd whatever sign up YouTube, ten years later that's what it is I put no literally no thought into it I didn't think anybody was gonna look at it what it actually was was I um, was taking the videos off of Cinemassacre putting them on YouTube sending James a link because I wanted him to see how easy it was as opposed to using quicktime files because on an old website quicktime embeds the the original video because it used to be quicktime embeds and they were really slow you had to wait for them to load and i wanted to be like hey james there's this other way to do this and that's what i was doing i was like hey we can put videos on this thing and then show them around next thing you know the channel's got sixteen thousand hits or something i'm like wait there's a glitch something's going on Mm -hmm. and then but i'm like wait it's not a glitch because there's all these comments on here i'm like uh, James, this is getting a lot of attention. Like, there's like 16,000 views on this Simon's Quest video, and he's like, he's like, there's, there can't be 16,000. That's like not impossible. And then we find out it's like it's for real. Like, there's 16,000 people watch this and, video, and the next and back day, then, that's a ton. Oh, in 2006, yeah, that's a ton. And then the next day, it's like 40,000 views, and the next day, it's like whatever it was, you know, 60,000. And we're like, we were like, what the fuck is going on? Because before that, um. We would put some we would put something on a VHS tape and send it out to a film festival and never and never um, hear back. Do you imagine or could you have imagined? It sounds like without you, the, the whole idea of AVGN could have died out before it got popular. Uh, uh, well, I, well, absolutely, absolutely, because um, James thought of the the tri- thought of it as, as a trilogy, um, and I, he did That was it. He wasn't going to make more. It was just it was the AVGN trilogy, and that was it. And so then, it's funny because uh, it, it took outside sort of. Uh, uh, encouragement for him to keep going with it. Say, hey, this is a great idea. This isn't just a little, little, a little skit that you can do a few times. This is something that has legs. Very, very much so. And uh, I don't think James saw that at first, and and I, I saw it. Um, I I didn't see it as like, oh, this could be a series or whatever. But I, I saw it as this is really funny. I want you to make more because I, I I think they're fucking funny. So I wanted him to keep making more of them. And it took encouragement for him to make the Roger Rabbit one. But then once it went online and we saw 16,000 views, then James was like, 
I'll do another one, <laughs> you know, because we, ne you know, we never had that kind of attention in our lives because I used to post something on DeviantArt, like, because I, I like to do drawings and stuff, and it would get like two views, you know, mm -hmm. on D or three views, and nobody looked at it, and and those one or two views that I got, I was like really happy that somebody like looked at one of my drawings, and then for. for 16,000, I know it's like millions and whatever now, but at the time it was like, I, saw, I remember seeing that number. I was like 16,000 people just watched this video. I was like, it blew my fucking mind that that, that that many people could see something that we did. And here we are, um, I remember at the time, um, Smosh, I think was the number one channel and they had 300,000 300, subscribers. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I think at the time maybe we had 10,000 subscribers or something. And I was like, imagine if we ever had 300,000 subscribers we, that would be crazy to have that many and now there's people you know there's the PewDiePie and all that he's got whatever a billion subscribers but we have um we have 2 million subscribers that's uh, that's so yeah. much more than I ever thought we'd ever yeah, was you, you I know. guess you're, you're answering my question I was going to say would you ever thought you would have got to 2 million subscribers no. now, I know <laughs> years ago YouTube it's no. totally different. Now, there's probably you know 20 times the amount of people using and watching YouTube than it was 10 years ago, maybe I, more. I never uh, thought so we would get to 300,000 subscribers, and now we, and now our second channel has 400,000 subscribers. It's oh, crazy. great! Your second channel, your second channel is more than my only channel. That's good. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming hard on 200,000. I'll get there this year. Um, so in terms of your channel growth and and material on your channel. Uh, you have once a week. You have a James and Mike Mondays, mm. which is your your Let's Play series. Mm -hmm. Now, originally, I believe that came about because you, you needed content, uh, partially because James was working on the, the movie, um, and so you just needed more content for the channel. But now it's sort of spun off into its own own thing, and now people obviously look forward to it now. And you actually have a Blu-ray that came out. So, how did it go from transitioning to just from, I guess, a pre-written content uh, that was, you know. Uh, We'll just say more thought out and, and putting in forty hours per video versus putting out less per videos. Was it something that you you uh, looked forward to doing, and how has it changed the channel? Um, it's changed the channel for the for the better because uh, we're getting a lot more views than we used to actually. Um, but uh, overall, I m it might not look that way because I know ABGN videos get millions of views and whatever. But now that we're putting out consistent videos, our channel actually gets a lot more views than it used to. Um, but the the James and Mike Monday show actually started because um, I was like, we need more content with James in it, and we need more content that has video game like video game content because that's what most of the fans are are there for because of AVGN. They want to see retro like video game content. And I was like, how do we put out retro video game content? more frequently because we need something consistent we need something like a tv show like when you watch seinfeld you know to tune in every week at th on thursday at 8 p.m we need something like that and i was so it took a while to think of something and my first idea i was uh, before james and mike monday i was like hey james you do board james every once in a while what if we did a show and we called it video james and we do like one or two minute things um where let's say you talk about uh, Super Mario Brothers and we make it a short video and I was actually going to write the scripts and uh, it was going to be scripted and like a minute talking about Mario Brothers and then the next week we could do a minute talking about Contra and it would be video James. It would just be James on screen, scripted thing. And that was going to be there. And they were going to be short. That's why how we'd be able to get them out every week. That was the original idea. But then I was hanging out with James, and we and randomly um, we, we were he really wanted to play this game um, Alien Storm on Genesis. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know Alien Storm? Yes. Yeah. So it's we, an arcade game. It's overhead. Um, it's basically ripped off of Aliens. You have to rescue 
you know, prisoners for the aliens get. So, so we're playing we're playing Alien Storm because James wanted to play it, and he's like, "Why don't we record this?" And I'm like, oh, "Yeah, sure, okay." So we recorded it, and it was, and then it was like, you know, and then I edited it together and all that, and then we, um, I was like, "This is good. Like, why don't we try doing more of this?" And it was really fun. And he, he's like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. So then we, we made another one, and that was the first episode of James and Mike Play at the time. Uh, I changed the name because eventually I thought, like, I want to do this every Monday because it was, it was working out, and we were getting a lot of views, and people were enjoying it. So I was like, let's do this every week and see how long we can do it for. And now we've been doing James and Mike Mondays for a couple years now. It's crazy. It seems like yesterday to me that we fucking started doing James and Mike Monday, let, let alone AB Jen starting 10 years ago. Now it's been several years that we've been doing James and Mike Mondays. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's awesome though. Cause it's, it's a lot of fun. And I know I, I want to say about like the let's play stuff. I know that, um, a lot of people have something against let's plays and I, I can understand why, because scripted content is more like you put more work into it. Um, it's, it's scripted. So it's like, it's more concise. It's, it's written, you know, so it, ha- it probably has more merit because it's, it's scripted, but, Playing um, the games together, we have so much fun. Just you know, you can, you can see us. You can watch the videos. We have so much fun playing the video or playing the games. And um, I actually think of James and Mike Monday not not entirely as a let's play. I think of it as a hybrid between a review and a let's play because we uh, we do a lot more than your typical like let's play show. If you w- watch, um, I don't know, watch our like Rondo of Blood video or our you know, when we're talking about Famicom stuff, after after the video is done, like I'll get shots of my consoles and I'll get shots of the games and I'll I'll like I put in a whole bunch of extra like sh- like work. You know, they're, they're, like we're in the video. It's not just the gameplay footage. Um, you know, so it's it's more of a show than it is just your typical. Here's the, here's the game footage and we, and we and you talk over it. It's also edited down. Um, it's not just you know we talk for ten minutes and then it's divided into chunks you know i edit it we will play a game we just recently played um metroid 2 right and we played that game for eight hours well i chopped that down into like a 30 minute video you know so it's 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 more i think it's more of a show than 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 a let's play but it is also a let's play it's 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 weird it's weird it's kind of a unique thing i think and did you uh face face any personal backlash when you started doing that and i guess in general when you started appearing more and more on on the channel not with james and mike mondays because by that point uh people knew who i was but i i faced a lot of backlash when james uh started to do the movie Uh, and i started to put out videos on my own uh i didn't originally want to want to do that i was really happy with he was just making the nerd videos and i i was helping him out with that and i was totally fine with that and we were also working on monster madness and movie reviews and nobody really knew who i was other than hey there's that guy who's the joker or there's that guy who's jason Voorhees, but nobody really knew who i was um and then James went to do the movie, and I was like, well, we also have this website over here. <laughs> what are we doing with this website and this YouTube channel with a million subscribers? You know, it's like, we can't just not have content for like a year for wh- why you make the movie. And he's like, yeah, that's true. What are we going to do? I'm like, I guess I'm going to make videos. And he's like, I guess you are, <laughs> you know? And, and, it's on and, you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's on me to keep it going while he goes and shoots this thing in California for six months. Um, so I'm like, okay. So now I'm like, and I was really uncomfortable and nervous to do it. And I can understand why, because you have James. He's the face of Cinemassacre. He's an angry video game nerd. That's who people want to see. And now he, here's this new guy. And whenever you're the new guy, it's like, well, who the, who the fuck's this? Where's James? Get this guy out of here. So I, I knew that going into it. So it was very difficult. So I, I, um, I started doing videos. I did like 
top 10 NES obscure gems and Super Nintendo. And I did some drawing videos. I did, um, there was a drawing app, uh, draw, draw something or whatever that game's called. And I did all these different videos and I started putting them up and some game reviews. And I did a thing on the Sega Game Gear and all this stuff around this time while he was, while he was shooting the movie. And, um, a, a lot a lot of people like the videos and oh i also did the glitch videos too i was doing those sure. uh, mike's game glitches and all that and uh so i'm doing all, all these videos and a lot of people liked them and a lot of people were like fuck you where's james and whatever it's fine did, uh, did you feel did you feel pressure uh to sort of do videos in the same vein as james just so you didn't think that um, you were putting out content that was totally different than what James had put out before on the I channel. Di- I didn't know what I was doing, to be completely honest. I all I knew was I'm gonna have to make videos about video games because that's all, the only thing I, I know. You know, I know about retro video games. I did some movie related stuff, but I'm more of a I'm more of a video game person. And I was trying. I was doing kind of stuff that I thought James might do. Like, a, oh, I'll do a video game top ten because that's probably, you know the type of thing James would do. I was trying to fill in the gap while James was gone. I was like, oh, here's a top 10 about video games. Here's a whatever, you know, here's a, here's a review of, you know, some PlayStation game or something like that. And I was just trying to make anything video game related just to keep content coming out so that the fans had something to watch while James was not available for six months. Sure. Yeah. So getting back to James and Mike Mondays, um, you are aware we just did a podcast topic on it. About Sky Kid going from a you know a six dollar game to a forty dollar game. Mm. So what was what was the first couple examples where you noticed that people were either scalping uh, these games or I guess the interest went up to such an extent that it was jacking the prices? And now are you that aware of it when you pick when you're choosing your games for James and Mike Monday? Um, that has no bearing on when we choose. Um, the first time I noticed that actually is what I just mentioned, that top 10 obscure NES gems video. It goes, it goes back to that. I remember it. Um, and honestly, it probably goes to, back to AVGN episodes. If you think about it, like if James does a video on McKids, I bet the price of McKids goes up, you know? Um, but, uh, I remember when I did that obscure NES gems, uh, Guardian Legend was my number one pick on that. And, that game was like two bucks or something. And right after I did that video, it went up to like 30 bucks, but I'm sure it's not like that anymore. And that's where I'm going with this is, uh, let's say this, this week, James and I played, uh, Trojan on NES or something. Uh, I bet the price would jump that, that week for Trojan on eBay and whatever, but give it a month or two, it's going to go back down because I think people just get excited when they see us play it. The, the eBayers put them, put it on there. Oh, James and Mike just did this and they make the game $30. But then after two months, nobody cares anymore. And then, then it goes back to normal. So. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed, um, well, Guardian Legends is a good example that that's down to, I think like $14, something like that. Okay. Um, but the one example that I always pick for, AVGN having a direct effect. I think it has to be a combination of a maybe a, a, a game that's more unique and also maybe less available. So mm-hmm. Guardian Legend, it's not very uncommon, but it's a teeny bit uncommon. Right. A uh, teeny bit. Uh, but you can find it. But when he did the Action 52 review, you know, that was like a $50 game. Mm-hmm. And then it went up to like 200 right. like right at, right. you know, for a loose copy. Glad I got my copy. When I did my Action 52 review, no one saw it. Uh, so it didn't go up that much. So I, it was fine. It's, it's very uh, weird to me, the, the, the collecting and, and the prices, because I'm... I'm from the I'm from the Funko Land era. I'm from, like, uh, you know, 
I was collecting games in college in, in 2000 and 1999, 2000, 2001, like when, when really nobody cared then people were like, I used to go into Funko land or shops like that and be like, Oh, I want to get this NES game. And the people behind the counter were like, like, you want that? Like, cause people were buying like Xbox games and stuff like that. N now it's totally different. Cause people see it as a collector th thing and people understand, Oh, NES games. That's like an old, it wasn't like that. And I was a total, I was like a weird weirdo. I was like going into the shops and um, I remember seeing, uh, I went into one of the last Funko lands in New Jersey and I remember calling around, actually. I was, I was trying to find whatever Funko lands were still open. And I went to one somewhere in New Jersey. It was one of the last ones. And uh, I go into Funko land, and they have a deal. And they had, had hundreds and hundreds of NES games. Buy two, get one free. It was like, buy two, get one free, and then 50% and then off or something like that. And on top of that, nobody, want, nobody was collecting the games at that point. And uh, the games were like a quarter. But then it was like, buy one, get one free so now it's like half a half a quarter and and also it was like there was some other deal like yeah. half, half price or something so i was getting nes games for literally like 10 cents and yeah, the common ones were, were dirt cheap at funkland the, the rare ones were still worth more like 10 20 bucks but the dirt cheap ones i mean the, the common ones were like a dollar or less well, a lot of there, were, there was games that were yeah sure, sure like top gun and stuff was very very cheap but and but games like um I would find like I'm trying to think of something not like crazy like not Nintendo World Championship but what, what's something yeah. like more if you, if you had found like a Ninja Gaiden three that probably would have been like eight well nine, there ten. there you go I was finding stuff like Ninja Gaiden three and I was getting it for like a buck or two and yeah. it was because of because of this deal and I got like I, I want I I walked out of the Funko Land with two full trash bags full of NES games and I probably yeah. spent under a hundred dollars. And I got like crazy amount of games. So a lot of the games that are in the nerd collection came from that day. And <laughs> that particular day. It, now this is funny. I'm sorry, I'm going to interject because this was about 2003 uh, when they were a uh, GameStop had taken them over. Uh, like about, I think about a year before. Yeah, this was before then. They still existed as Funkoland. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they consolidated all the retro games, basically all the cartridge-based games. They put them all. I think only three different stores or four different stores in the entire state of New Jersey. So, like, my very local one didn't have any more, but if I drove about 10 miles away, I could find a Funkland that had it. That, exactly. So that's I went the same to, thing I did. I went to that. I didn't go to the same one you probably did. Yours sounded a lot better than mine. My, the one mine I found was amazing. Games. Mine probably had about 70 to 80 games, including oh. Genesis. And I did buy about 20, 30 games, uh, but they weren't, like, the deals I used. So I didn't see a Ninja Gaiden 3 then. The, I remember the, that. The, like, one that I, the one that I went to, it was the, it was, I think it was the last one in New Jersey. If not, there might have been two. And what happened was the other stores closed, so all the games that were at the other stores went to this one store, and I was like the guy who bought them all. It was, I was, the, it bitch. was awesome. Not a bitch. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got, I got like <laughs> the deal. Well, essentially, well I, always, well, I always tell people if I know I would eventually get every NES game or almost every NES game, I would have bought all the ones I saw at Funkoland. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I, you know, I was a college kid, didn't have a lot of money, hard to get a job out of college, but I would have said, screw it, I'll just spend all the money and do the buy two, get one free, whatever, and buy all the ones I saw. But I was getting them all at flea markets too at the time. It was still the, it was still the point where you can get like thirty NES games for twenty bucks right. at a flea market. Well, so the, it was like the, the other thing fun. that happened was um, so we got a lot of games then, but there was a lot of games we still didn't have because there's so many 
you know, Nintendo games. And then, then I, we started making a list. Okay, here's, or I started making a list. Here's all the games we have. And then I was like, well, what do we not have? Then I started eBaying. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get this game, this game. And I would get like Little Samson. I think I got that game for under $20. Um, I, you know, I would, I started to collect the more rare stuff. So I was collecting at a time when everything was very cheap. And um, so, so where I'm going with this is I don't, now that people say, oh, there's this Super Nintendo game worth this much money and this NES game is going for $1,000, to, to me, it's like, I, I bought the games for a quarter. Like, I, so I don't even understand any of that, really. Well because, well, because when we were collecting back then, there was no one else collecting them. Yeah. We were like, it was very niche. It, now there's Because we're old. Now there's literally, <laughs> now there's a literally 100 times the amount of people that mm-hmm. are looking for the same stuff. Exactly. I mean, I remember going on eBay, and even though the stuff didn't come too often, you know the big box gyromite, which is probably my favorite thing in my collection? Yeah. I remember before people even knew about that, I was looking on eBay. I remember back in college before there were sniping programs running back to try to win the auction because it only went for like $30 right. back then. Now it goes for what, 300 right. You know, like and I remember slamming my arm and was breaking it against because I missed it because I knew it wasn't worth a lot of money at the time, but it only came up like for auction twice or three times a year because people were even just listing it as gyromite. I had to search all the gyromite listings to find, okay, this is the big box one. And I eventually got it for like, I don't know, $35. You, you know, so you know that was I'm... only, that was 2000 it's about 2000 or 2001. You know what I'm so happy about with the nerd collection is like I was collecting at a time when like like we said 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, like around that time. I know that all the games in our collection are like the legit games because I, I I've seen your stuff, your videos and stuff. How you talk about how people now take games and they put like fake covers and they're trying to sell them but they're not real and all that. I know that our I know that all, all of ours are legitimate because I bought them at a time when. That that wasn't going on. You oh, know? Sure. oh yeah, well yeah, the repros you can tell though because the repros will never be the exact quality, right? Especially well, if you open it up, that's that's the real thing. If you open it up and see the board, you can't. It's very hard to fake a an right. actual board, right? Whether it's people making their own boards or taking out the Famicom of the little Samson Famicom version, putting it into a fake one, it's very hard to get away with, right? Uh, if you know what you're looking for, right? Uh, but, no, it's very interesting how it's become in the past. I mean, me and you collecting since the late. I think I started collecting again in '99, about late '98. That's about uh, when I. The, that's about when um, I started collecting too. Um, so to see it change and to go along the sort of ebbs and flows with it, it's been very interesting. The fact that I'm an old man now in the collecting scene, I'm looking at this stuff like it's <laughs> well, funny. Whenever I show up, I show up my collection. I had Andre Meadows from Black Nerd Comedy. Uh, he visited a few weeks ago, and he was like, "Oh my god, looking at my collection, I'm just like, I'm just so used to it. Yeah. It doesn't." The impact is so far less. I, I can't appreciate it since I'm always near it. I, I, I'm the same way. Like when people come over to my place, they're like, oh, you got this, you got that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like I've had it for for over, for like 15 years. It's like, yeah, it's it's here. I mean, I it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very hard. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk or, or an asshole. It's just like I'm so used to it. I, I literally – I'm looking at it right now. I've been looking at it every day for 15 years. But and people are like, wow, look at that. It's like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I'm, yeah, old, I'm, I'm just like, over it, you know? Like, oh, yeah, you old, you know an NWC car. I'm like, yeah, it's in a bank vault. It's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like I don't care because right. I, I don't see it. It's like it's just away from me. Yeah. You know, I, I, you hate to say it like that because other people would kill the habit. Right. But after you compile this stuff over, you know, now 15, 16 years. You just it's don't sort care of like, anymore. Yeah. No, I, 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 to- I totally understand that. that. It's like I hate to say it. I always remember, you know, I forget I have stuff. Yeah, you know, me so too. I yeah. I had this 
that's like really hard to find. I'm like, oh, I got that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I got that. Like, I had to think about, oh, I have Ducktales two in the box. I'm like, I totally yeah. forgot I had that. I don't. I don't like, even. I don't even know what I own. In, fa- in fact, I don't. When I want to find a game, I don't walk over to my collection. I go on the website and because it's quicker. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, do I have a copy of like of like Ninja Gaiden two or something? I don't know. Yeah. Let me see if I have it. I like I like search it on the website. I'm like, oh, Control, oh yeah. yeah, I have it. Okay, and then I go get it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. I'll have an Excel spreadsheet on yeah. Google or Google Drive that I check. I'm like, oh, I have that, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. But yeah. but it's just fun to see that, and yeah, and people are gonna hate on us, be like, oh, you don't appreciate what you have. So like, no, we do appreciate it, but it's just you get numb to it after a while. Yeah. When you when yeah. when you start oh, owning oh. literally thousands of games, you just get kind of get numb. I very much, I think I very very much appreciate my games because I think a lot of collectors, kind of like comic book collectors, when they they collect the comic book, but then they keep it in the plastic and they never read it. Well. Sure. Same thing with comic books. I collect comic books too, but I don't have any of them in the hard plastic thing. I, I have them so you, I actually read them. And um, same thing with the video games. I, I feel like I very, very much appreciate them because I actually play them. And you, you guys know I do because we do the videos every week and whatever. So, um, and even when we're not doing the videos, I play them I play them anyway. You know, I play them with my girlfriend. I play them with my friends, regardless of whether um, – we're making videos or not. Um, and I, I think that uh, the fact that I use them all the time is, is how I appreciate them and I play them. Video game fans aren't supposed to have uh, girlfriends. Well, I know that you're a fan of, uh, since we talk about it once in a while, you're a big Atari uh, VCS or 2600 fan. And I know you have a large collection. I do. Um, Atari games. I do. Uh, talk about how you got into Atari when you first played it as a kid and why, oh why you love it. <laughs> yeah, okay, Atari. Um, so <sighs> Atari is that was my first well the atari was my sister's console uh, she's older than me and she she had the atari and i remember it being like 1983 or something i'm three years old and i was playing uh like star voyager on on atari 2600 and i think we had jungle hunt and phoenix and those kind of games and um i remember i was playing the game and I don't know what happened, but I, 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 there was a screwdriver in the room that we had, and I took the Atari controller apart with the screwdriver because I'm a three-year-old kid. And, I, mm-hmm. and my sister comes back into the room, and she's like, what did you do to the Atari controller? She was, like, screaming at me. She ca- calls my parents in. Like, this is, it was this big scene. Like, I, I broke the Atari, and then my, my dad couldn't get, get it back together or anything. And... Um, that's one of my early memories is me taking apart the Atari controller. Was it broken or are you just a little brat I, you're trying to take them apart? I was, I was so young, I literally didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, <laughs> goo goo ga drooling on myself. And I like took the controller just because I was a baby, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, But I remember the Atari and I remember liking it and stuff. And as I got older, and we had we had a, we had had other controllers, so we were still able to play the games and stuff but um, and we have paddle controllers and we played breakout and all that stuff so that's some of my early memories playing atari i was very very young and then i remember uh, i was probably like four or five years old something like that being like a five-year-old going to the roller rink and our roller rink had an arcade and that was my first experience going into an arcade and we used to go there my sister used to always do roller skating and i would always go to this arcade that they had and they had like Pacland, and they had you know uh space invaders and uh, you know there was just a whole arcade full of those that era of uh games you know early early 80s arcade games and that's really where my first love for video games came from it, i would say is is those that be, being in an arcade with with kids from from the early 80s and i was very young i was like five-year-old kid but seeing other kids who were seven years old eight years old nine years old 
and maybe a little older, going around playing the games and being in an arcade and experiencing that, like a real arcade at that time, it was it was life changing to me at a very young age. And I realized I would see the art, I would see like the Pac Man with the with the pie eyes, and I would see uh, Food Fight and all that stuff. And I loved the artwork. It's probably one of the things that got me into wanting to draw and all that. And um, so I loved the arcades. And then, so if that wasn't enough, then on top of that. Then I got the NES like a year or two later, and then then I fell in love with Legend of Zelda, and these are just all the things that turned me into who I am now. With you know sure. all this so, junk. So, so how big is your Atari collection? I have. Uh, I mean, you can see on our website if you want to know exactly. Uh, I have them all listed, but I have every Atari game almost, except for maybe about ten to fifteen games. Um, that the ones really, that really are there. like so regional, like Gamma Attack and yeah. Red Sea Crossing. The ones that you got to mm-hmm. spend thousands to get one, yes. basically. Yeah. You know, I, like uh, I have some. Rare, I, I mean, I have some rare ones. I have Air Raid. I don't. I, did, I don't have Air Raid, but I. I have. Um, like I have like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween. Yeah, Manja. Uh, I think I do actually. I think yeah, I do have manja. I, don't want, I want that one. That's one with the cat. You can blow up and eat too much spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I have manja. Uh, I, I'd, have, I'd have to look and see what I have, but but I I, um, I love Atari. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, I remember I remember playing Atari at my cousins before we got an NES. I remember I, they claimed they, they, after a while they wouldn't. They, they play like um, Spider Man was a big one. That's a classic. Um, and then I remember them playing. Adventure a lot, and that's mm-hmm. that was too complicated for me yeah. as a kid. Probably yeah, me, too complicated for me now. Me, me too. Um, yeah. and, and, but then I remember they stopped letting me play. My cousins they claimed they broke the joystick, which is total BS. Those joysticks were broke by themselves. But they <laughs> but they said I broke the joystick. They never let me play after that. But then even when I had an NES when I was like nine, my my neighbor Billy had an had an Atari twenty six hundred. I, I remember trying to buy it from his, from him to see if his parents would let me. They wouldn't let him sell it with his games because I just, I just like the simplicity of it, even compared to an NES. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was my early foray into video game history and, and retro was right. back then. Atari 2600 was retro in, in the late 80s. I remember playing, still one of my favorite Atari games, Keystone Capers, one of my favorite Atari yeah, games. Activision, right? Um, uh, yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question about Atari. So what I find uh, th- these days is that a lot of people don't seem to care as much about atari as they do let's say nes or super nintendo and i noticed that let's say there's a lot of people on youtube now like when we started there it was a smaller community but now there's people like game grumps and stuff and you don't really see these these all these people uh you know people on screw attack and whatever and all the different people on youtube people aren't playing atari games very much um but everybody's playing NES. People will play Super Mario, they'll play Zelda, they'll play any Contra games on NES, but nobody does Atari. And I'd like to know, do you have any answer to why people don't play Atari? Uh, well, I think I spoke about this before, that I get asked this question every once in a while. Um, whenever the rare times I do either a radio, radio interview or interview for a magazine or whatever else, they tend to always ask this question. And I think me and Ian have discussed it before on and off on the podcast, maybe not in that much detail. There's a few different reasons why I think the Atari's forgotten. Uh, you start with the number one is that the, the, the fan base is a lot older. The, the kids that grew up with Atari are now in their 40s, if not 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, by now, it's a console that came out almost uh, 40 years ago already right. in 77. So you have to consider that, late 77. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. Number two, a lot of those franchises are dead. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't have Centipede is dead uh, for all intents and purposes. Right. Uh, you know, you're, you're not seeing people uh, do updates of games like Adventure or Star Raiders. Don- Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers are on Atari. 
Sure, but oh, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point you bring up. I'll get to why that's an exception in okay. a second. And plus, well, I don't consider Donkey Kong at twenty six hundred game classic game, but anyway, um, it's more ColecoVision. But yeah, all those franchises are dead, and Atari's dead. Atari's basically broken up into other companies that have bought and sold N- at fourteen. Nintendo's right? still a company, right? Nintendo's still a company, a huge company. Right. You're still reminded. Of these franchises, mm. every day, Mario is the most recognizable video game character in the world and right. probably will be until we're dead. Right. He's the Mickey Mouse of video games. He is. Uh, Nintendo's still relevant. There has been an Atari console in 20 years, and it was a massive failure. So there has been a, there has been a successful Atari system since the 2600. Right. So there has been, in, in almost 35 years, it has been a successful system. Right. Um, and like I said, there's no good franchise anymore. Uh, whenever they try to remake Centipede or Warlords, they fail. They don't have the fan base, and there's no recognizable character. And that gets me to Donkey Kong and Mario. Okay. They're recognizable. They're like cartoon characters. Like you, like you see the box art you said, or the box art, the, the, the cabinet art, you see the characters. You can decipher those also, characters. Also Pac-Man, game. by the way, because Pac-Man is like in Smash Brothers and whatever. Still, Pac-Man, still to, me is not, to me, that's not an Atari character, though. That's just more that's true. It's that's arcade. Old, old classic you know, uh, character. That's Namco, you know, its own franchise. True. Um, so, and even that kind of suffered for a bit Pac-Man. He's not as popular as he once That's was. That's true. someone like Sonic or, or Mario. So, Nintendo, the NES was the first system, home system, that you had really recognizable and decipherable characters that you can look at and say, that's a plumber, that's a giant gorilla that actually looks like a gorilla, not in the 2600 on television where it's blocky, blocky uh, brown parts. Right. Um, we have a, a, a living, breathing world in the Mushroom Kingdom, a living, breathing world in Hyrule yeah. that you could not do that before on a console. Mm-hmm. Or if you could, it's adventure where it's just rooms of blocky mess. Mm-hmm. So it, do, it didn't inspire the imagination, I think, as much as the NES first did. So it didn't. You couldn't. You couldn't. You could have like cute box art on an Atari system. Well, when you're playing the game, you're like, you don't see it. It doesn't translate. So I agree with all that, and, I, and, and that's a very good answer, I think. And I think you're you're right, and that's that probably is why the Atari is more forgotten. And the fact that the, the Atari is forgotten, do you think um, the Atari games still have uh, the ones that are like unique to Atari, the ones that were like only on Atari? I know like a lot of them have ports and arcade games, but there was games like. Um, I think like River Raid and Kaboom. I was going to say River Raid. Yeah, yeah there you go. There's, there's a pit, Pitfall and things that were like only on Atari. Um, do you think that games like that and re- and for those reasons that the Atari has merit and that it's it's a shame that people are forgetting it because no. because the system does have merit but everybody's forgetting it. I don't know if it's if it's a shame. It's it's just what people are interested in. I, I mean, video game historians will always look back at games like River Raid. Uh, or a game like Pitfall, where it's like one of the earliest examples of a platformer, and they'll remember it for that. And it was it, one of the, you know the first games where you had different screens walking up and down. And Pitfall is a fantastic game for the time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just that I think at some point there's a line of of simplicity that gets crossed from the the VCS to the NES. That it's 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 not a small one either; it's a big one. Um, because the, the the way I grew up was that um, you know you you played. You, it was kind of like you start with Atari because they're such simple games. You're a really yeah. little kid. It's 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 very basic. You can pick it up and play it, and that's like how you kind of learn to play video games. Then you move on to NES because NES is a little more involved and complicated. And, and then you can from there you move you know you move on to Super Nintendo. You move on to Genesis, and, and you, sure. know, you kind of work your way up. So I feel like for kids, like Atari is a good way to start playing video games. 
And um, I mean, I, there's a million games out there now. Now kids are playing, you know, games on their on their cell say, phones and stuff. Maybe for your generation, but nowadays kids are growing up with smartphones in their hands at two years old and learning how to play games a lot more complicated than Atari games. That's true. So it all depends upon your generation, I think, on how you you know how you learn. So it's a generational I like, thing. I like it to the fact that I'm not saying I'm not saying Atari VCS games are akin to silent films. But we'll just say before at the the Pong system, which I also like, by the way, the silent animation. I was just going to say the original Pong systems of the seventies, all those you know, all the Magnavox one hundreds, even the original Magnavox Odyssey, those are like silent films. And then the Atari VCS is more like the early talkies mm-hmm. and, and movies made from the late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. So while you can still appreciate the groundwork they laid, it's hard to identify with them. You know, going forward. Did you ever that think about sense. video games in in sort of like comic books? Like, there's this, there's this, there's the bronze era, there's the silver, silver era, age, the gold. So, if so, I would even say Atari VCS is even gold, uh, the golden age. That's like the platinum age. Before, yeah, superhero comics, you had pulps. What's the NES? Yeah. What age is the NES in? What's that? What age would you put the NES in? Oh, the golden age. I'd put the NES. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you always say, the golden age of like arcades is like eighty to eighty three, eighty four. And I think the problem was part of Atari, uh, Atari's problem was you couldn't translate those games over to the system. I, I like it, to it I like to do the same thing with cartoons. So I, a lot of times, this is, these are the things I think about in my head. So I'll be like, okay, the golden age of cartoons was like your Warner Brothers, your Looney Tunes, and all that kind of thing. So I'm I'm kind of like, uh, so basically the NES is your Bugs Bunny, and the Atari is your Felix the Cat. Uh, maybe. Did Felix come before Bugs Bunny? Or the, oh, yeah. Came in the 50s? Felix the Cat was like the 20s silent animation. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. The 10s they, they even. It goes back to like 1919 or something. Otto Mesmer. Great, great NES game, by the way. It I is think a great NES was, game. It was on my top 10 was, NES gems. Someone might have rated it four and a half stars in a certain NES guidebook. Mm, certain, <laughs> a certain book that is coming out. Well, I, w- I waited uh, almost an hour to plug it. Yeah. Um, is, it a, is it available now? Or not yet. You can still pre-order it. The digital version is fully available. i got to set up my shop. So people have uh, seen but... it now. What's that? So people have now read it and seen it? Oh, yeah. People have downloaded it. The, the, the Slacker backers on PayPal and the Kickstarter backers have their copy. Okay. And I'm finalizing, finalizing the print version this week. But enough of plugging my book. We can talk about that later. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think... Well, I, I think I, I'm not even thinking about your book as a, as a plug. I don't, I don't even care. I just think that it's a cool idea that somebody... That there even is an NES book. Like, you can pick up a book... And you open it up, and it's like, okay, here's a ten-yard fight or whatever, and here, here's whatever, you know, the different games. And then there's a picture of the game, and there's an here's article about golf, it. It's a book that I would read. Here's golf power. Here's you know, yeah. here's gun. I mean, I mean, I think if you're into NES, it's it's something that you you would want to have. And I'm not trying to plug your book or whatever. I just think even if it wasn't you, if somebody else in the future makes a book on NES. It's just cool. I want to, you know, I'd like to see it done for like Super Nintendo or whatever. It's kind of cool to be able to open a book and like pick out any game and read about it. I think that's really cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Super Nintendo book is done. It probably won't be by me or else I'll, I, mean, I'll, I can sort of be the, I'll write like, maybe I'll write 80 of them. But I ain't writing 450 of them. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I'm not doing that again. I'll write like 80 of them and then hire people to do the rest and I'll just edit it. I, that's what do you that's think? What, what do you think the hardest for. Super Nintendo game is? The hardest Super Nintendo game? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Super Nintendo guy, Mike. That's why I can't okay. make it. Okay. I, say, I, think I, only... it's, I think it's Super Empire Strikes Back. You think that's that hard? I do. That's actually one I played and beat and I rented it. No, I don't think that was that bad. Have you beaten that game? Yeah, I beat all three of them. Wow. Sure. That's, I'm impressed. What, what was so hard about Super... Now we're really going off on a tangent. What was so hard about Super Empire Strikes Back? Uh, you know, it could be that I'm just not good at it. 
<laughs> you're not good at the platform. When you said that, that, I was like, game. wow. So one of the games I had, I, see, my problem was, real quick with Super Nintendo was that I only own about nine games for the system. Okay. That, but that's when I was transitioning into PC. Because so, by the time you got to the early 90s, PC was the king. You know, CD-ROM stuff, stuff you cannot do yeah. on a console. So I didn't own that many, but I did rent a decent amount of Super Nintendo games. But I did, yeah, I beat the entire Star Wars trilogy. There's Super another interesting uh, gaming question. PC gaming, um, pro- like around, like around the Doom era, like 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 ninety three. Yeah, I, but I had friends that were playing games in like nineteen ninety. Like I had a I had a friend who was playing a game on his PC, and it was it was uh it was pr- prior to like AOL. He had the internet, but there, it wasn't AOL. It was before that, and it was like he was playing a game that was just like text. It was like a Dungeons and Dragons type of thing, like a Warcraft type of thing, but all text on the screen. And there was games, like there, dial up BBS. yeah, dial-up BBS bulletin board thing, and he was playing games like that, and I used to watch him play that. Meanwhile, I'd be in the other corner playing Final Fantasy II or something, and that era of games, I feel like, is also, like, nobody seems to, I mean, people talk about Doom, people talk about Wolfenstein, but there were so many other games from that period um, that that are very forgotten now. Like I had a game called uh, yeah. Waxworks, which was, uh, I think it came out in 1992 and it was one of the most violent video games um, that I had ever pl- played or seen. There was people getting their heads chopped off and all, gore, all these gory effects. It was awesome. Nobody talks about that. You know, people are talk about fucking, everybody talks about Call of Duty, but what happened to all, you know, those games? Uh, they're still around. There's just not enough people that, Care. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like YouTubers, all the people that play those games in the 80s are 50 or older. A lot of them. Remember, remember in the 80s, uh, computers were very expensive and adults bought them. They weren't for kids. So, so, so you're, the answer to all of your questions are, to all of my questions are that I'm old. <laughs> no, not you're old. You just like stuff that older people like. That's, I, that's yeah. I've, I've always been that way. I've always, I, I, like, I used to go to, I used to go to play bingo. I was the only person under 30 playing bingo. So I love bingo. And as, and as a kid, I like to watch like, uh, like Bosco cartoons, and I like to watch like Laurel and Hardy. I've always liked old stuff. So. We just have older sensibilities. I yeah. love Three Stooges. You know, I do. Just, yeah, Three Stooges are great. I was the only kid I knew that owned Three Stooges on the NES, which was originally a Cinemaware uh, game on Amiga and on the computer. Uh, but yeah, that's what it comes down to. Is a lot of those games in the eighties, most mostly for adults. And there are people that there's like a whole big DOS uh, preservation project. I love, I love DOS uh, because. A lot of the, the software on DOS is very regional, and a lot of it, not a lot of it, but it's almost like the silent film era where it's a decent amount's lost. Mm. So they, they try to catalog all the names of all the, all the software, not just games, all the software that they knew that existed, and now are trying to get backup copies. Have, it's a whole huge project. Did you ever play Bill Gates' DOS game? Bill Gates' DOS game? Bill Gates made a video game, and it was called... I had Don- no idea. He, Bill Gates made a video game, and it was called Donkey. And I did play a game called Donkey. Uh, it was uh, maybe not the original one, but it was a bootleg one. Is that where you just have to, uh, a road and you had to yes. avoid the donkey? Bill Gates made right? that game. Oh, he did. He did the original. No, his, I, play, I played probably game. a bootleg version. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I played that. There you go. I want. I and think, I, I, I think about that. Now. I mean, the guys, uh, the richest guy in the world, right? Or one of them. I, I think. I think of that sometimes. And I'm like, I wonder if he ever thinks about Donkey that he made. Probably that. not. I mean, he I know. 
I'd probably still have the five and a quarter just this get somewhere if it's not Bitrod that has it on there. I want to do if somebody could get. I want to do basic. Okay, this is what I want to do. Basic Let's language. do a Kickstarter so that I can we can get Bill Gates on James and Mike Monday so we can do James and Mike Monday Donkey with Bill Gates as the guest. That's my dream. That's project. great. You can you can get you can get two million more subscribers, uh, Mike. Like you need them. That'd be great. Well, I'm struggling to get to two hundred thousand. Right. <laughs> James and Mike play Donkey with Bill Gates. Um, yeah, I do remember that. We you had to load up basic. So it was not you couldn't play it out of DOS itself. You had to load up basic, which was a whole other program environment. Then you loaded the games up. There was one called uh uh Ribbit, which was a frog thing where you jump from <laughs> lily pad to lily pad and you, you're toweling up and you got and flies. And flies. God. Now I'm sure you, if you search I'm sure if you search on YouTube, there's people that have this because you can play all the stuff in DOSBox. That's awesome. Which is great. Yeah, I, all yeah, the stuff is preserved. Uh, there was a. I remember. I remember originally Donkey. I was mad because I thought it was gonna be Donkey Kong, but no, it was Donkey. Uh, I see what happened. Um, I, and oh. there, but there was like a, I did play like a Space Invaders clone. Uh, there was a, uh, a a game that was a Dig Dug clone that I played. Yeah. A lot of clones. There was a Qbert clone called J. I think it was called J Bird. Speaking of like arcade clones, I got a question for you. What do you know about Crazy Kong? What I know about it was it was um, basically just a pirated version of Donkey Kong that people made and put out. The only thing about that, though, I think Nintendo actually had involvement in that, though. They probably got it struck down. <laughs> I, th- I thought I thought that they like released it actually, but then but then took it I down or something. I don't know. It's yeah, an interesting story. In the early '80s, there were probably a, a good amount of games that were bootlegged in one way or the other. Yeah. That you know they basically just stole the ROM and changed it a little bit and called it something else. Yeah. Just, the Crazy Kong is probably the most the, the biggest example. Crazy Kong had a, had an actual cabinet though. Yes, it did. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, they, they yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're probably really hard to find nowadays though. But yeah. So the 20th anniversary of the release of the Legend of Zelda on the Famicom Disk System just passed uh, about a month back. Month back. Yeah. About uh, that. What is the? You probably remember. I remember when I first got the Legend of Zelda, what it meant to me. But maybe maybe you can just go over like your experiences originally with the game when you were a kid. Okay, um, so Legend of Zelda was um, first of all, it, it's my it's my favorite video game uh, franchise of all time, Legend of Zelda, and the original Legend of Zelda is my favorite video game of all time. Um, it I remember I have a lot of fond memories of the game, but um, I think it's not just that because I love the game uh, for the gameplay uh, itself. Um, it, it's such a um, it's such a great uh, just all, all, all the Zelda games have such great dungeons and puzzles, um, and that's why I love the Zelda games. A lot of people, I think, love Zelda for a lot of different reasons. Um, some people like the story, some people like the the, the timeline, some people like um, the the setting, the characters. Uh, just there's a lot of the music. There's a lot of different reasons to love Zelda, but me personally, it, it's about the puzzles and the gameplay, and I like. Uh, I'm not so much usually interested in the side quests and things like that. I like when you get to a dungeon in Zelda, and I like when you know you're pushing blocks and you're you're bombing the wall and you're you know you're killing the boss and you're getting you're getting the dungeon treasure. The the whole experience of going through and figuring out that puzzle of the dungeon. That's why I like Zelda. I love it for for that gameplay and figuring out those puzzles. Um, uh. The first time I ever uh, played Zelda, I think, was at a friend's house, and I saw the game, and I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome, and then um, I think I, was, I begged my parents for it, and I remember my mom taking me to Toys R Us, 
And I think that she, I, I think she wasn't gonna buy me anything, but I was like, you know, like I have to have this game, so I think she bought it for me. And um, we we go into uh, Toys R Us, and at the time, Toys R Us, uh, at least my Toys R Us, was you go in and there was an uh, there was an aisle, and there there were display cases, and you would see all the NES games in a display case, and there were there were tickets underneath, and you would mm-hmm. take the ticket off. And so let's say it's Legend of Zelda and the number is 321 or whatever. You would take 321 off and you would go up to the front of the store and there was a booth. And it was almost like a like a bank where you go in and they they have like a the glass or whatever. But it was like it was a wall and there was a little window and the person would come up to the little window like their eyes coming out. And you're like, you're like, hi, uh, I'd like the Legend of Zelda. And, and you give them the little ticket and they take the ticket. And then out the side of the place, they'd, they'd send the game out. So it was just like this little room in the, in the back. God knows what went on in there. So somebody, you know, jerking off on NES games. But well, they, okay. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah. okay. so they give you the game, and then you go up to the register, and you buy it. And that, that's, how, that's how it worked then. And like, anyways, like, you got Toys R Us or service merchandise? That, uh, that was Toys R Us. What do you say? Well, Toys R- My Toys R Us, you bought the ticket first. You had to buy the ticket first, and then you went to the window to pick it up. Maybe that's what it was. I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of forget. I, I don't know about anyone, anyone jerking off on it, the, but they, they had that window because it was for the stuff that you could easily steal. Yes. I mean, they even had stuff like the Cabbage Patch Kids were back there. You yeah, oh, no, no, I know. I was, I was just kidding around. Yeah, it was, it was, they were trying to prevent theft. Um, but So anyway, I brought the game home, and I played it, and the, the game was gold, and it deserved to be gold because the game was so <laughs> awesome. And I think that... Um, I think Nintendo knew what they were doing. The way they marketed that game, they knew it was something special. They wouldn't have put it in gold packaging and made the cartridge gold if they didn't know it was a special product. Um, so you get home, you put the game in, the thing comes up. It's the it's instantly memorable when that uh, that screen comes up and dun 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 dun, dun you know, oh, yeah. and the music comes on and it's just like wow, this is. You've just it, it, you've it, just entered Hyrule. It turns dark, and the story scrolls. The story and scrolls, cool. and, and, it, and then all the items you see, and all the weapons, and you're like, just, "Oh, it's, it's just different. there's there's nothing like it." And, and that you can't do on an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Well, that's true. You can't. You can't. That's absolutely true. But there's other things on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred that you can do. But anyway, um, <laughs> like the NES didn't have paddle games and the Atari had that. You have a game like Kaboom, which is very unique and which only can be played correctly on uh, on, a, on an Atari 2600. But getting oh. back to Zelda, um, <laughs> Zelda was just an unbelievable experience. It was it totally immersed you in, into that world. I was going around town singing that fucking song. I was Link for Halloween. I went to school, Pat, wearing... I I, got, I bought a green tank top that was like extra 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 large so that it could be like Link's <laughs> Link's tunic, and I wore that for Halloween. And the whole month of November after Halloween, I wore it to school to the point that my teacher had to call home and ask my mom if we had money because she thought that we didn't have money to buy clothes because I, <laughs> because I was wearing the same thing to school every day and the teacher felt bad for me. She's like, what's going on at home? You know? And we were fine, you know? And then my mom's like, are you wearing that thing? That dirty thing to school every day? I'm like, I'm Link. I'm Link. And wow, she's like, Jesus you're, Christ, living. you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm in Hyrule, mom. So and I was, got away. I was yeah, and, then I got, and then they shipped me off. 
Um, I was totally obsessed with The Legend of Zelda. Like, I watched the cartoon. I, like, I was totally obsessed with it. I played it all the time, every day. Loved it. And then Zelda 2 came out, and... I know a lot of people hated it, but I love I love Zelda too. Let's talk about Zelda too because um, as when we were kids, no one hated it. it no. It's sort of, sort of this sort of weird. Same thing with Super Mario Two, where there's either kids that are now younger, maybe their colleges, or they they've seen all the Zelda games come out of sort of a, a weird sort of state where all oh, your first Zelda game maybe was Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. or afterwards. So now you start to go back and it's like, oh, all these other games like Link to the Past is there. The ones on Game Boy are overhead. Then you get this weird Zelda 2 one. All of a sudden, like, oh, that's different. I don't like it. No. When, and and, and at the time in the 80s, everybody loved it. Even if it wasn't a Zelda game, it's still an excellent game. Before oh it being a Legend of Zelda game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I mean, there's games kind of similar in that vein that came out on the on the NES that tried to do what Legend of Zelda 2 did. Which some success like Faxana do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, Legend of Zelda 2, the adventure of Link. I understand, I understand the reasons why people don't like it. The, the, the main reason people don't like it is because it's so different. It's not the top-down view. And I, I get that. I understand that because I actually prefer the top-down view myself. Um, and the other thing, reason a lot of people don't like it, I think, is because the game is so hard and it because it, it ramps up in difficulty very, very quickly. Once you get to Death Mountain, it's like, holy shit. Oh, sure. Yeah, so oh, yeah. I, I, get, I get the reasons why people don't like it, but I think it's a great game. Um, and then shortly after that, Link to, Link to the Past came out. So Zelda was just like all the best. It was like, boom, boom, boom. This great game, that great game. Link's Awakening, fucking Link to the Past. It was like awesome, you know? And then uh, Ocarina of Time. That was great. I love that too. And it was like, it was Zelda, Zelda, Zelda. And it was, Zelda like couldn't lose. And then eventually they started fucking it up. Like everything, it doesn't. Not yeah. you know nothing lasts forever. I guess you. Where did say. it turn for you? Where did it turn? Uh, I would say where it really started to turn was games like Phantom Hourglass um, and uh, Spirit Tracks and that kind of stuff. And then um, I also really didn't care. I liked Twilight Princess, but I didn't love it. And then. Uh, Skyward Sword was like, you have to swing the Wii mode around. It's like, I just want like a, like a controller, you know, <laughs> but then, then they brought it back recently and they, they had, uh, the, uh, what's the, the link between worlds. I thought that game was great. And one of the best Zeldas. Um, so, so they brought it back, but, um, but then they fuck it up again. They do the Hyrule warrior shit. And it's just like, well, I know. always look at it as a, as Zelda. There's so many games that stuff like Hyrule warriors isn't a legend of Zelda game. No, you it's know, not. It's still like, off on its own, so to me, it exists yeah. separately. I feel but like they're, they're just tr- they're just trying to like bring more people name. into use the name and bring people into the Zelda oh, franchise yeah. with a because to- like they're like they're like okay, well, there's a lot of people that don't like the gameplay in the Legend of Zelda, so let's use the characters Link and Zelda and whoever and throw them into this other game because maybe they'll play this game. And it's kind of like, yeah. why would you do that to your greatest franchise? It's like they really they're shitting on they're shitting on their uh, it's like. It's like a slap in the face, I think, to the to the legacy of Zelda. To, for really, them. so yeah. you don't see like like you you do you feel the same for like Mario and Sonic at the Olympics when they do a game like that? That's tarnishing yeah, Mario. Uh, kind it? of, yeah. I mean, when when they do like Mario's time machine and stuff, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like Mario is awesome, and you're gonna throw him into some shitty Mario teaches well, typing. It's like fuck I that look shit. At, I always look at it as as long as the main games are fine, you're okay. Because the problem with Sonic taking well, a hit was the main Sonic games were bad. 
It wasn't just like these one-off games were bad. The right. main ones were bad. So I think Nintendo was always very careful about the main Mario and the main Zelda games. So like the Zelda game that is coming out, well, finally, I think later this year, it's going to be absolutely huge when it finally comes out in the Wii I U. I hope so. I hope it's going to be. Maybe the NX, but definitely in the Wii U it's going to They really out. need, I mean, in my opinion, they really, Open really need world. a hit with Zelda, you know. Well, the Wii U is on its last legs. We know that. But, yeah, yeah. they still have the Star Fox game coming out. And there's going to be that Zelda game might be the last big game unless they do, like, a Metroid game. You know, Usually it's, ever... really, it's really a shame because I actually don't mind the Wii U. I think it's pretty No, pretty no it's a fine system. It's just yeah. they never had the third-party support. Yeah. I think that it's a shitty name. I think even going back to – I know Wii was very successful, but I think Wii is a shit name. And I think the Wii U is an even shittier name. Well, and... the Wii – the Wii sold so many consoles that the name didn't matter. Oh, absolutely. You know, I loved Wii Sports and Wii Bowling and all that. So it wasn't. It's, I'm not saying it was a bad console. It was a good console, but that name, like, come on. Like, yeah, Wii? they should have. Well, the next one's definitely going to be. If it's not NX, it's going to be something totally different. I hope that they they like. I'm fine with Nintendo X NX. If they leave it Nintendo at NX, good. That's like an okay name to me. Mm-hmm. But I know you know that the, they always do that. Like GameCube yeah, was Dolphin, with Dolphin the GameCube. And, yeah. They're Cold gonna they're, they're gonna change it. And it's gonna be like, it's gonna be like some awful name. Well, they know. might keep it in an X. You never know. The, Ninten- the, the PP, you know, it's like, hey, uh, you know, think- it's gonna be awful. Well, I mean, meaning talk about the specs on this system are supposed to be supposedly are going to be on par with an Xbox One. So they're going to get the third party support that they didn't have before, uh, as well as getting your first party. Uh, Nintendo title, so it's the best of both worlds, which is why I said, which I thought the Wii U was going to be, but the Wii U supposedly uh, was so hard to program for that the third-party publisher said, "Screw this, it's not worth it." Plus, it never had the install fan base to make it worth the port or anything anyway. If it's so. true that the console is download only, um, which is a rumor that I heard, I don't think that I don't it, think it's I don't think it will be. But let's let's just say for argument that that is true, and then it's just downloadable only. Isn't that basically just the same thing as having Steam? It's like why not just have Steam? I know, I know you wouldn't be able to get like Zelda and Mario, but it's like at that point, why the fuck buy it? Because then if you have a PC, just have Steam, and then it's like well, because they're never going to put their games on a, on a PC. Nintendo first party games will never be on there, and a lot of third party games will never be on there. So, so that's why I think they absolutely have to have discs because if if the only it, it's well, it's very stupid. Well, the it, best argument for disc is that they want they should probably have, be backwards compatible with Wii U games. That's the best argument. Yeah, yeah. Because the last two consoles have been backwards compatible. It makes sense not to piss off the people. Remember, if the NX comes out this Christmas, that's only a four year lifespan, uh, but I, between consoles, which is very short for Nintendo. I, have, Nintendo I haven't even had sense. a lot of chance to play like some of the Wii U games, like Tropical yeah. Freeze and and uh, you know. Uh, Whatever, some of the other Wii U games that I I just haven't got, got a really ch- I haven't even I haven't even played Mario Kart Eight a, a, as much as I'd like, and mm. it would suck if all of a sudden it's like okay now we're on the, to the Nintendo NX, but it's not backwards compatible, and then I'm yeah. gonna be like well I have these games I haven't even gotten to yet, so it it, it has to be backwards compatible, and it better it ha- better have discs too it better yeah people are saying oh there's gonna be cartridge or something I think. I think they want to be backwards compatible. I think they do. So I think you're going to have one more generation of this at least. But we'll see. Yeah, I we're, hope so. I don't know how we will. We're, we're, we're talking about the new system that's coming out, I assume, besides the Zelda stuff. Um, uh, you, you, you wanted to discuss uh, about, talk about Nintendo Power a little bit, sort of your memories of it, and do you miss yeah, sure. it? Okay, so it. Nintendo Power is funny because I actually had uh, pre, uh, pre-Nintendo Power uh, because I had, a, I had a friend that was older than me, and he... He, he had Nintendo Fun Club, and I think he had the... Because I was so into Zelda, he had the Zelda one, and I saw that, and I was like, I want that. 
And then there was a number or something on the backer, and I wrote away, and I got the the last like two issues of the Nintendo Fun Club in the mail, and then they then they switched the subscription to uh, Nintendo. Then it turned into Nintendo Power, and I remember I literally got the first issue of Nintendo Power. I got I got the first couple issues of the Fun Club in the mail, and then I got it switched to Nintendo Power, and I remember seeing that and being like, oh my god, that first Nintendo Power cover that with Wart and Mario. The, I was the like, clay, the clay uh, characters. It was yeah. so awesome, and that came in the mail, and then the next one came in the mail, and but then it was like four or so issues in. It was like a football cover. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then I took, then I took, I think I threw it in the garbage or something. And, and I didn't what? realize, I didn't realize until many, many years later, because James has all the Nintendo Power issues. And I'm looking through, I open it up, and it's a real Nintendo Power issue. I thought the whole issue was all football stuff. I didn't realize it was an actual. You didn't open up that. No, was, that was I just saw football on, and I was like, "Play action." The one for play action football, I think, was I on the. Code. I didn't, I didn't know the issue had other stuff in it. I thought it was a whole football thing. I threw it right in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was like that issue, what, 15 or 16? That's when they came out. They, they had like all those red cover issues. Like they had the Final Fantasy guide. They, uh, the, uh, they had the Final Fantasy one. I, uh, I broke my subscription Giant to it, um, I think, before the Nintendo 64 right. came out. I, th- I think it was like 50 to 60 issues in, and, yeah, I, I, stopped. and I stopped subscribing. I stopped in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That's I about where last, I stopped. I believe the last issue with an NES game, which is Wario Woods, I, I think it's like... Jeez, it's in the fifties. That's the last issue with yeah. uh with the Nintendo game. And after that, like I said, I, I was transitioning to PC, so I was gone. I, Probably... I had Nintendo Power um when Super Nintendo games were out, but somewhere into the Super Nintendo run, I, I cut it off. Yeah, I, I was done by ninety three. I was definitely done. I was yeah. I was playing Wolfenstein and, and Warcraft and yeah. I was playing all, Doom Doom Two and LucasArts games and Sierra Adventure mm-hmm. games. And yeah, I was me too. Done. Yep consoles by then so I, I was out of that i love the sierra games there was one roger wilco oh, space quest. oh yeah, yeah. Space, quest space quest and all that yeah. I, I loved all that space I, quest I'm 4 i think what's that some of my favorite space quest 4 was great the whole scene in the mall you work out the yeah space yes yes yeah all that yeah you had the, the famous announcer what's his name i think he just died a couple years ago uh Gary Cohen was the oh, announcer okay. of Space Quest Four. I believe Space Quest Six. He was the announcer. He did all the narration. I loved all that stuff. Or Gary Owen, anyway. So, um, uh, we talked about briefly about arcade games uh, before about the memories. I, I want to bring up my uh, memories real quick. Yeah. Because, like you, actually, uh, what is what is your favorite arcade game of all time? Mm-hmm. Real quick, in the audience, who knows it? Rolling Thunder by Namco is my all-time. Oh, yeah, favorite I think I'd arcade. asked you that before, actually. Yeah. Um, it's so smooth. The animation, the sound effects. It's one of those games that you put a quarter in. Yeah, you think you're doing good, then you get your ass kicked. Wasn't that also it's on a, NES? It was a, not a bad port by uh, by uh, Tengen published it. Atari Games uh, came out with it. Is that how you pronounce that? I always thought it was Tengen. Tengen, Tengen. That's a big mystery. Okay. Tengen. Uh, I but, used to, uh, I, it was like uh, Tato or Taito or it says. Taito. I say Taito. I say Ninja yeah. Gaiden. Which say is Taito. Right. I say Taito. We say Taito. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rolling Thunder is my favorite game, and I could never get past the first level as a kid. Now uh, I could probably get to the fourth or fifth level in the arcade. Uh, I mean, you can, you can. I think you can continue with quarters in the arcade, but it was so hard as a kid. But it just looked beautiful. It was so smooth the animation. But as far as going into an arcade, what are your actual memories? Like your early memories of going into an arcade, or do you even? Ha- did you? Oh do yeah, that? yeah. It was Woodbridge Center Mall, one of the. It was used to be like the second biggest mall in New Jersey, a spaceport. It was called. 
Um, back back in back in the eighties, you always had these arcades and they for space stuff or something. Those yeah. space ports. A lot of them were space, yeah, something. And so you walked in. It was probably Jesus. It was probably only about fifteen feet wide, but like a hundred feet deep, or like eighty feet deep. You know, so it's like you walk really dark. We're talking like when you think of like old school arcades being really dark and dingy. Yeah. It was dark. Not most Wait, of like you, the you said. You said it was deep. Yeah, like it went deep. Like so, it wasn't so, so it wasn't... The, the one near me. Uh, well, one of the arcades near me was also like that. You walk in and it was it, it was very narrow, and but it went back forever. Yes. Yeah. So like it went back to a back room. Then once you get to the back room, you had like the the, the sit down games like like the cockpit uh, spy hunter, which was one of my favorite games. Then you had the then you had the pinball games back then. You might have had a couple. Other, I forget. There was a pool table with coins. Was but... there a guy in your arcade who sat in the back and gave out the quarters? No. No. Um. Wait, wait, like Blips Arcade and you can't do it on television? No, it was, uh... There yeah, was, yeah, yeah. There Mine was, was like that. There was a dude that did that. Oh, oh well, in the Jersey Shore, they always had those guys with the uh, coin things. Yeah, yeah. They always had that. But then they all transferred to the, the coin machines, you know, you put the dollars in. Uh-huh. You know, I can't remember that. I cannot remember if there was a person who got quarters in the back behind a, a grill. But I think, there were, I think there were machines in the mid-'80s. There were machines. I'm talking like 86. Yeah, eighty five. There were machines by then, but yeah, but there's always a guy with a little, with yeah, a little yeah, machine. The, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one, one for nickels for the nickel machine, or you win the, you know, or you win the points. Like, there, yeah, there's always like an overweight guy with the quarter belt. <laughs> you know, even like eight nine years ago, going to Jersey Shore, I remember there still being guys like that. Yeah. Like they're like seventy years old doing yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, no, it was dingy. It was dark. It probably wasn't <laughs> the safest place, which is uh, arcades get a bad rap. The arca- some of them arcade prostitute. What's that? The, the arcade prostitutes. No, we didn't have that. It was in a mall, but there were some bikers there. Even in the mall, there were some sort of people, leather jackets, I remember. And my dad didn't care, though. My dad was like, here, here's a dollar worth of quarters. Go play. I, I'd probably end up playing, uh, you know, Spy Hunter. And I can't remember what else. My dad would play Operation Wolf. With, with what, the, what, now, what year are you talking about? We're talking like 86, 87. Okay. And you were playing like Spy Hunter? Yep. Elevator action? Didn't play that as a kid in the arcade. Okay. I played Akari Warriors. And Spy Hunter, which is what, which is why those are the two games I got when I got my NES. Uh, were, which, were you uh, playing Spy like Hunter your probably. like your, your Miss Pac-Man's, your centipedes, that kind of stuff? Um, I remember playing Pac-Man a little bit, not being good as a kid, as right. a small kid. Donkey Kong. But, I don't remember playing Donkey Kong. Okay. Uh, we're talking like we're talking like mid to late eighties. By then, it was more like the I say second generation it, it of arcade games. Second gen. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean, like so you're talking like Operation Wolf. G two. Yeah, yeah, G two. Or maybe even Generation Three. So like they didn't have like a Space Invaders console in my yeah, arcade. Okay. Like, I remember, like, I remember that arcade having like Street Fighter Two. By the time I got 10, 11 years old, you had Street Fighter Two there. See, so, like, see, see when kept... I when I was in there, it was like Space Invaders, Pac Man, uh, Centipede, that kind of stuff. And then when I started going to the arcade like later on, um, it was more like Mortal Kombat and then. Sure. Uh, you know, Street Fighter and like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. Oh yeah, I, I remember. I remember playing the original Turtles arcade in that in that arcade, but then I pl- remember playing more. There was a there was an uh, there was a Italian ice place that also had ice cream, I think. But they had a, a big wooden shed off to the side that was their arcade. But and, and it was weird. I mean, it was pretty sizable. It wasn't like just a shed, but it was like a, a wooden like cheap building where they had the arcade games but they but they were the first place that i remember had tokens which sucked <laughs> it was five tokens for a dollar or like you know for five bucks you got like 30 but the games are just a little bit more there were two tokens and then you, they would never give you cash back for the tokens you didn't use so you're out of luck 
So you had to use those tokens at, at, at that uh, Italian ice place. You, you want to know my that. favorite um, thing about the arcade and, and, and our arcade? My favorite part of the arcade was across from the arcade, there was a Hot Sam's pretzel place. Hot Sam's pretzel. <laughs> and they had the best fucking hot pretzels with cheese. That <laughs> that was my favorite part of the arcade was eating pretzels. <laughs> and then there was, was a movie a- theater right next to it where I saw Back to the Future in the theater. Oh, wow. See, I was too I was too young to see that when it came out. Do you remember Bowcraft Amusement Park in New Jersey? Bowcraft, remember seeing the commercials for Bowcraft Amusement Park? Scotch Plains, New Jersey. No, I don't know that yet. Affordable family fun. Bowcraft uh, Amusement you know, Park. I, I do think I remember that jingle though. Yeah. Do you remember Route Twenty Two? One of the biggest highways in New Jersey yeah, runs yeah, across yeah. the Yeah, I do, yeah. So this amusement park was literally off of uh, Route Twenty Two. Do you remember so Action Park? What's that? Do you remember Action Park? I do remember. I never went there though, but that they actually brought that back. I know. That's, do you know if somebody died on that ride? There was that that like loop thing, and somebody like oh, died. They had lots of people that died. Yeah, no, 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 people didn't die. People it's get awful. stuck. But I people know. Died. No, somebody died people. in that thing. Oh really? Yeah, it's but, awful. But no, there was like ten deaths at Action Park. But anyway, but, but the thing about the reason I bring up Action, uh, excuse me, uh, Bowcraft, it's still there, I believe. Literally right off, cars going fifty miles an hour. Then there's a fence, and it's right there. It was it was an amusement park off a highway. Like a six-car highway. <laughs> but they had an arcade there in this wooden house that I believe they filmed the scene of Hudson Hawk in that arcade. I think there's an arcade scene in Hudson Hawk. I don't remember it, but I believe they filmed it there. It was a big deal. But I remember going into this house arcade there, and I remember that's where I played Double Dragon as a kid. And Double Dragon was like the original game that, even before I think Rolling Thunder, Double Dragon was like my favorite arcade game ever at the time. You know where I played Double Dragon? And I beat it. Um, I played Double Dragon actually in Disney World because uh, I went to Disney World one year with my family. And in the hotel we stayed at, there was a small arcade. And I, for whatever reason, we weren't like in the park or something. And I went down to the arcade and, uh, you know, my parents gave me you know, a roll of quarters or a few dollars or something. And, and I actually beat Double Dragon in the arcade in Disney oh, World wow. when I was a kid. Yeah, weird. I think I did once. Uh, obviously, a lot of quarters. I think I, I think I actually picked up in the in the fourth uh, level, so I was near the end. I didn't have a lot of money, but I did. I did beat Double Dragon in the arcade. That was that's, one of those. That's awesome. Yeah, me too. Remember the great, great remember the great slowdown when there was like five guys on the screen at once and just slow to a crawl. The jump kick yeah. would be like, yeah, like, it was it's fun tough. though. It was a good game. Before there was any of slowdown, then I went from that to Final Fight being my favorite arcade game because Final Fight was like you know took what Double Dragon did in the beat of genre and just perfected it even more. So I. Remember, I, I, remember, I remember, Ask you a question. Um, speaking of like games like Double Dragon and stuff, I'm thinking of like you know Double Dragon Three. You know, people say it's so bad, but um, and it, you know it is, but uh, it's also very hard. I want to ask That's you. What? I want to ask you what what would you say is the hardest NES game that you that you've beaten? The hardest NES game that I've beaten. Um, there's probably I'd say I could put a category of three or four of them. It's hard to pick one. Mike Tyson was really tough as a oh, kid. Oh, you beating Tyson? Oh, I can beat him now. Yeah. Fairly, I want to say easily, but fairly easily now. Okay, yeah, right. For some uh, reason, yeah. my reflexes have gotten better as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, they get slowed down by the time you reach 30. But I think mine have I, gotten better, too, strangely. That's the weird thing. As a kid, no, I couldn't get to the second round with Mike Tyson as yeah. a kid. Now, hell, I beat him I beat him on the marathon after having not sleeping for a day, and I still beat him. Yeah. You know, like the NES marathon. Um, so you Mike know, Tyson you know that, was, you know that uh, Bootsy can uh, beat him without getting hit? Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. He's, 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 he's really good. So I didn't beat Mike Tyson until I think I was in college in front of a room of people. That was a big excitement. 
Uh, goal 13 top secret. That persona is really tough, mainly because of the maze in Rio de Janeiro. Once you kind of have a map, it's easier to figure out, but it's still tough. The multi-layer maze, is just it just takes forever. Um, Ninja Gaiden was tough. Mm. Um, the third one's super tough. The third one I could not beat without save states. Sorry. Uh, the third one's impossible. I, I, I've done it. Without save states? That third one's really tough. It, but the only thing is, uh, it, 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 it's a really long game. It took me a really long time. What I would do is I would do like one level, which I, I, I would die like a million times. But in that, in that game, you can keep continuing. Yes. And um, so eventually I'd make it through stage one and then I'd take a break, go do something else for like an hour. And then I'd come yeah. back to it, do stage two. And that could take me a few hours. And I remember playing that game for several days and keeping Nintendo on pause, but I eventually did it. The problem with Ninja Gaiden 3 is, which I explained in the Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library, is that there's barely any health replenishment. And it doesn't replenish your health in between the, the sub-stages. Mm-hmm. So like every single hit counts in that game and it hurts. Oh, yeah. So there's some areas, and there's some areas where you remember what's the area where you get swarmed by those flying things? And like, it's almost impossible not to get hit by them. Like, you have to be played perfectly not to get hit. Yeah. And when you get to the boss, you still have all that damage done. Yeah, yeah it's hard. So it's, it's a very hard game. It's, yeah. It's, even, it's even way tougher than the second one. Like, the oh, second yeah. was tougher, I think, than the first, but it's a lot tougher. But uh, um, uh, other, other, the, the, the third oh, one is definitely the hardest, I'd say. Stuff like Joe and Mac, which is a terrible port in the NES. There's like one enemy. It's not even the last boss. It's like the third boss I remember. It's this plant that takes like eighty hits yep. before it dies. And you're th- you're throwing like, like you're throwing like those stone wheel things, right? And the axes, and and it's like, exactly. why is the third boss the hardest boss in the game? It just was really bad. You know, people talk about Joe and Mac, but they they're always talking about the Super Nintendo game. The one I'm familiar with is the one on NES. Really? Well, no one had that one, and it's a terrible. It's a that's cut the, down. That's the one I had. <laughs> Wow, well, you're like the two people that had that game, but yeah. uh, not a good game. It's not a good game. Yeah, the levels are really tr- short in that. It's like they're like three second loans of level. Then you get to the boss, and the bo- there's only two different bosses that keep just swiping them out. Do you have a least favorite NES game? What's that? Do you have a least favorite NES game? It's always hard for me to get most or least. I mean, do you want to say something like? No, I actually like Action Fifty Two. I like how bizarre it is. I mean, you can how... pick a couple. You know, it doesn't have to be just one. Dragon's Lair is pretty fucking bad. I mean, yeah. that's, there's no, there's almost no redeemable qualities to Dragon's Lair. It's, it's, it's really bad. I agree with you. It's, it's abysmal. Uh, a lot of the Color Dreams games are really yeah. are, are just like secret, like secret scout or just Shit. they're playable, but like barely, like they're barely coded correctly. You know, games like that, like Menace Beach, where it's like the, it's you can see why Nintendo had their sort of a seal of uh, of approval of quality. <laughs> Not that, that something is bad one slipped through like like Dragon's Lair, yeah. but just on a base level, all those Color Dreams games were bad. Like there's all just bad. There's I have barely... to wonder how some NES games got the seal of quality because doesn't like Bill and Ted have the Nintendo seal of quality? Well, on buddy, it? I, I mean, it's, I mean, Bill and Ted, it's a competently programmed game. It's just a badly designed game. It's so like, bad. But, but but those Color Dreams games are just badly programmed games with the hit detections <laughs> off. Yeah. They're just loosely controlled. <laughs> They're not all bad. This game like Galactic Crusader is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like semi-open world space game. It's like, oh, it's pretty interesting. By and large, though, they're terrible. A game like Dark Man, I can't stand. Mm. Uh, those, those, those were ocean games. Those ones were terrible. Like Robocop 2. You played Superman on NES? I like Superman NES. You know Did what? You? I, I, I don't back, like that game at all. Getting back to AVGN, that was probably the only time that I was literally writing uh, an NES Punk episode, and, I, and James came out with the video. And I said, "Fuck it, now I can't do this video." That, that was that time. was one that I worked heavily on with with James um, with the with the gameplay, and uh, that that was 
one one of the that that one and I Super Pitfall was another one that I helped them out a lot with. And um both of those games are fucking I hate I hate those you games. You don't like Superman, I like the, like the fact that it was an adventure game where you had to travel around the city, different objectives. That mm. I liked. Because I, I played like it as it. a kid. I didn't like it at all. And um, uh, Super Pitfall, I thought it was terrible. Super, um, Pitfall, Super Pitfall, I think, was, was developed by Micronics, who I, th- I think they were like a phantom company. Someone pointed out uh, Lanius Guidebook, and I updated the digital version. Micronics was responsible, it turns out, for a lot of those early Capcom ports, like Ghosts and Goblins, and like... Um, uh, let's see, Ghosts and Goblins, the 1942, Ikari Warriors. So you see a pattern. A lot of these games that are like stuttering when they move, yeah, like yeah. flickering, yeah. a lot of the same style. And they're, it seems like they're responsible for a lot of them. You know, so like a lot of those games that were like barely programmed well in the early, early NES. You played Darkwing Duck on NES? What's that? Have you played Darkwing Duck? On I was Cap- just looking at it. Yes, I played it. I never beat it, but I have played it. I game. think that's a hard game. Cause, I haven't played that you, much. But. You play, um, you play Ducktales, and it's like it's not a it's not a hard game at all. And then you, then you're like, oh well, I'll try, you know. And Chippendale also, that's that's like pretty easy. And then you jump to Darkwing Duck, and all of a sudden it's like, what the fuck happened? They like the the difficulty is like totally different than because uh, well, you expect you expect it to be the same because you know Ducktales, Chippendale, all those Disney mm-hmm. afternoon games, and then all of a sudden you play Darkwing Duck, and it's like hard as shit. Well, Tailspin's hard too. I think Tailspin. Yeah, too. yeah, Tailspin too. Yeah, that's one of the only Capcom shooters, and uh, I, I think I think it was okay. I think I rated that better than average, but it's a little. Now, you, you have most of the NES games, right? I'm only missing um, uh, Cheetah Men Two, right? The real one. So you have uh, like Chippendale Two and like Ducktales Two. I'm only missing that. I'm missing Stadium Events and and the three Panesian games. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's... actually, I, I never even counted uh, Myriad Six and One because it's the same as Calvin, but now now I own it complete. And do you have any interest in like the Gluck games or like? No, I don't because those are Sachin. pirate. Sachin. Well, a lot of the Sachin games ended up as color dream games, like uh, like uh, Drunkard uh, Master Hugh and the Drunkard Hugh, mm-hmm. Master Hugh and the Drunkard Hugh. Like those are those were Sachin games. Those are Gluck games. A lot of them. Do you have any and, interest and... in collecting Famicom stuff? At some point, you got to cut it off. You got to cut it off. Like so, the reason I don't do the Sachin games is me they're pirates. Uh, a yeah. lot of those games came out either as HES titles in Australia or Pass, in the NES yeah. library. HES. Um, yeah, and you got to cut it off, otherwise you go nuts. Uh, I do own like the original Gold, uh, the limited edition Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Excuse me, was that Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Yes. I when always think like how, no, no, far, was, how far does it go? Because it's like the original Punch Out. The gold original Punch Out. What's that? that because I, I was thinking, because you're right, because I think, like, how, how far can it go? So you collect all the licensed ones, then you do the unlicensed, then you do Sachin, and then from, the, the, do, do you start doing, like, you're collecting the different, like, numbers on the back of the, you know, how they have those, like, different collect, number variations, label yeah. variations. Um, the, oh, I, have, different, I have all the, the, the screw, major label variants. The screws, but, the screws, and, the like, there's games that have different screws. Where's my jar of my uh, three screw that's hard to find? Uh, where is that? It's, oh, it's in the box. You know what I'm talking uh, about, though. My my point is, like, how far do you go b- before you're crazy? Well, to me, I, I cut off at major label variants. So I own all the major label variants, like the two different versions of Untouchables, for example, with ones harder to find than the other. Two different versions of Gunsmoke that I'm looking at right here. You know, things like that. That's fine. Uh, I don't do like the different seals, which are different revisions. Basically, I don't care about different Rev A versus whatever. I don't care. 
about that. Three screw versus five screw. Only if I find them, like for example, I have a few of the hard to find ones. I have the Donkey Kong three screw, which is hard to find. Gyromite three screw, which is very hard to find. Do you have the Adventure have... Island Classics cart, which is the, just Adventure Island, but it's a different label? Oh, that that didn't come out here. That wasn't U.S. I'll have to show um, you that if you come into James sometime. He has it. It's pretty. It's that's pretty, a that's pretty a cool. pal. That's a PAL one, I believe. It, may, it might be. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I think because over in Europe, two and or three came out before one, then they released it there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't come out here. Trust me, that happened. But no, that's where I cut it off was 85 to 95. That's when the system was, was alive and supported. And after that, that's where I cut it off. Yeah. Because this, even the Sachin, even the, the uh, Gluck Sachin uh, Pirate games came out in the late 90s. It came out afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe um, maybe I'm sick because I feel like I want to collect that stuff. <laughs> I got a problem. <laughs> I look at it as what was what was commercially available here. What could I have owned as a kid here? Yeah, that's what I love. That's at. good. You that's should awesome. you should cut it off there because it's like it, then it just gets crazy. Why well, you you own the Honey Peach uh, Sachin games? That you own? You, uh, I yeah, I have some of the Sachin stuff, and I have I have the box to that. I have, by the way, I have a more. lot of. Uh, Home, homebrew stuff. I mean, I could. Sh- I got like homebrew shit, and I got. I got weird fucking cartridges. Um, I could show you some weird stuff that I got because people send me things in the mail, and the people send me just like the weirdest shit. That's the funny thing is that you guys get sent games in the mail. I don't get games. I get just like me and Ian get candy. We don't get that many. Games. Hang, <laughs> hang, like... hang on one second. I'll sh- I'll show you a couple things. Uh, just all right. Just briefly. All right. This is just. Show and tell time now from Mike. This, yeah, this is this is just randomly um, some things that some people sent me, and there's other stuff over there. But like, okay, so somebody just sent me this Super Monkey Adventure. Super okay. Monkey Adventure. Who the fuck knows what that is? There's yeah, oh, they cannibalize a real card. Gu- Guardian Legend Secret with a different label. Yes, it's Secret Edition Guardian Legend. Who knows what some of the stuff I got. Gradius 2, but it's like a this weird bluish cart. Well, that's well, I'm actually glad they did because they didn't cannibalize a real cart. Then they they got their own case. Yeah, this, I, I want to say this is almost like Brazilian or something. I don't. Well, know. Now you can go, also, this you can is really he, this is really heavy compared to a compared to a, like a regular. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, look at this. I got 150 and one. Well, okay, I love the multi carts. I love the multi carts. Isn't that cool? I wish the- I wish there was room in my book to go over the multi car so they didn't come out here. Uh, they really didn't. But I, I loved collecting multi cars. Because as a kid, my local, uh, it was called Stop and Go. It was a convenience store. You can rent games out. And they, they had a multi cart there. And those were the heavy ones, like the real ones. I'm talking like yeah. not 20 different games. There was 100 different games. That thing would heat up in your NES like it was on fire. You know, because there were so many, like, memory chips in it. It was Look great. Crime so Busters. Chrome Busters? No, Crime Crime Busters. Oh, Crime Busters. All right. Did you play that one? No. And look at look at this how it is. It's like it's like it's like rounded on the end. That's cool. It's a, it's a they made their own. That's, yeah, that's isn't cool. that isn't that interesting? Anyway, just, those are just a couple things that people sent me over the last like month or two, and just I I got weird like Famicom stuff and just crazy stuff. Hey, send me I, send I, I like me stuff. Kind of send a mic. Yeah, send, send it to send Pat. Me stuff. Pat. Send me stuff. Send me one of the three Panesian porn games. I don't have any Well, of I don't have the... Send me that first and then send it to Pat. I don't, <laughs> I don't have that either. The the ones uh, that we don't have in the nerd collection, we don't we don't have the Panesian, Panesian whatever games, Hot Slots, Peekaboo Poker, and Bubble Bat Babes. We don't have, um, you know, Nintendo World Champions. Uh, we don't have Stadium Events, the American one. We have the European one. Power? 
Yeah. Oh, Palin goes for 200. We have the Pal one. And we don't have... Uh, there's a couple others that we don't... Oh, we don't have Mr. Gimmick. Um, well, that didn't come out in the U.S., yeah, so you're fine. So, well, we, we, collect, we collect the... Oh, you got a lot of the Pal ones? The Pal exclusive ones. We have all of them except for, I think, Mr. Gimmick. Did you see my review of New, Go- New, Go- uh, New Ghostbusters 2? You see my no, review? No, did you see mine? <laughs> I also did a New mm-hmm. Ghostbusters review. I actually, actually, I did see your review of that, and I thought it was really good. You ripped off my review, bastard. I might. Yeah, been, I, let's see, uh, let's see who did it first. <laughs> well, it's funny about that. I remember people used to say I ripped off James for Action Figure Two. Mine came out before. So I, I so right. one time someone said, I said, look at the dates. What month becomes before the? <laughs> How about this? Who fucking cares? Um, let me see. Uh, I I want to see now. I'm gonna see Ghostbusters. See when I did this. So Ghostbusters leftovers was the video. I did, I did. mine October 2012. I did mine. I did mine April 27, 2012. Oh, so you got yours up for me? Okay. Ah. My, my, mine's mine's a compilation of like I did like the Game Boy game and like some different things. Well, wasn't the Game Boy game the same game as the NES one? Um, I don't remember. I Watch my video. <laughs> oh, you got enough views. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll cl- click on the ad too. While you're at it. <laughs> yeah, click on the ad. Yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, so anything else we wanna we wanna do before we cut it off? I actually have to go in a couple minutes, guy. I gotta go pick up my car. I don't know. This was fun. We 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 covered a lot of topics. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was we, a lot of fun. We didn't, talk about, we didn't talk about the first games we ever played in first system, but my first system was probably. Let me, uh, let me ask you so that it's not like. Oh yeah. So Pat, what was the what was your first? <laughs> what? <laughs> so... <laughs> this is natural now. Right, Come right. on, Mike. Okay. Question. So so Pat, what was your first game that you ever played? Uh, on on a system in general, like what was the first system you played in the first game on a, on a home console? Uh, I can get. I'll show you. Give me a second. Okay. I'll show. You. It was the Coleco Telstar Ranger. Ah. And this isn't the one I had as a kid. Well, that's different than the Coleco Telstar Arcade, huh? They had a bunch of different ones. Oh wow! So this one was an all all in one. Boy, that's yeah. that's just a straight up gun, huh? Oh yeah, back in the day they had like this a cowboy, straight up pistol. Roy Rogers. I got another one. Oh, yeah, you can get killed with that pistol. <laughs> so this took like this took like six D batteries that lasted like maybe an hour. So you and basically then, shoot at the television at your CRT. Yeah. Well, plus it had you know handball, jai, oi, whatever that is, tennis, hockey, target, and skeet. So you had four pong type games. Oh, is it a pong and, console? Yeah, those are all pong, but but they, they had a few back and they had guns built in. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had the two paddles in the back. That's and the awesome. gun. So this is what this was the first one my dad brought it home. We played it. But then he had to buy the AC adapter. Or did he buy the AC adapter? Because the thing freaking eight batteries alive. Like it was ridiculous. So back then, all those uh, like Odyssey consoles yeah. of the seventies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those didn't come with an AC adapter. A lot of them were just batteries. Do you have the Magnum like, Box Odyssey or the Odyssey two? Oh come on! Of course I do. I got both of them. <laughs> I, you do, or you, I don't know if you're joking. Or no, not. I actually have it in the white white carrying case. Oh, cool! Uh, the Odyssey one, and I have a, a box as well. I have it. I have it totally complete, basically unused. That's awesome. I don't know if it's. The, I don't know if it's the first run. Some people want to get the first run edition of it. You know, the first print run versus the second. I guess but... here's a better question for you. I got a question for you. What what, don't con- I have? what consoles and systems do you not have? Um, I don't have a, an original Xbox. 
I don't have a okay stuff before the year two thousand. Yeah, yeah, not like yeah, but before like before, okay, I don't before Nintendo sixty four. I don't have all the Pong systems from the seventies. Well, nobody would expect you to have all the Pong systems. You know? I have. I mean, I have a few of them. I have the Telstar Ranger. I have some of the Odyssey one hundred, uh, two hundred. I think like four or five. Of them. I mean, do you do you have like an Intellivision? Yes, I have an Intellivision one in the box complete. I had an Intellivision two complete in the box unused, and I have an Intellivision three console only. Which is the Intellivision three is the same as the one. The two is different. But but the but the three looks exactly like the one except it's a different color. I Do you think have a Commodore better. or a Vic twenty? I have, yes, I have a Vic twenty in the box. I have a Commodore sixty four in the box. I have uh, a, a TI ninety nine. Not in the box. I used to have a T ninety nine sealed new in New Jersey. I got it at a swap meet and I sold it. It's like who wants it? No one still wants a TI ninety nine. Um, the only things I don't have from the U.S. If you count, I don't have like a uh, I don't have the Atom computer from like Coleco. Okay. I don't have that. If you even count that, you can count. Wonderswan. Was that U.S. for a handheld? I, I don't have a I don't even Swan. know. Actually, I do have a Neo Geo Pocket Color, which is Ian's favorite handheld, of course. Yeah. I do. I do have a Neo Geo AES US. I finally got one. I have. Um, do you have not an in the Amiga box. CD32. I do. That didn't come out in the U.S. though, but I do have it one. It did. That's not true. It did. It did come out in the U.S., oh. but it was very. Uh, it was a very limited release. Really? Yes. I thought it was just Canada. Okay. Nope. Oh well, you know what you might. What I meant to say was NTSC. Oh, oh, oh. There, there's an NTSC. So yeah, not in the. You're right, Canada. Yes. I, I believe it was shipped only in Canada because I never. I got mine from Super Collector Steve Lynn, who's one of the only, I think, three people that own both NWC carts. Yeah. Um, and I got mine from him, and he was cool enough to get me a controller. So originally, I bought the system. Well, wait, you, you own both NWC carts, don't you? Maybe. <laughs> you don't want to answer well, that? Well, yeah, you know I have them. Like, I did the video with James. And that's, that's what I was going to say, because like, you, you made it seem for a second like you didn't have them. I was like, I, you know. Well, that was me playing coy, Mike. Come okay. on. I don't, people, people think I bring them up just to brag about them, which I don't. But, yeah. you know, I to, we talk about them, we talk about them. Right, right. But, yeah, they're in a bank vault somewhere. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> they should be, because, you know, what if you... What if you spilled something on it or broke it or, you know, but you know what? Yeah. I know that you've got it in like that. You've got it in a case, a protective case. So it's fine. Yeah, I got it. I got it in a case. I, I both in a custom make basically the same way you get the games graded. Right. They, custom cases were made. Because, well, I was uh, talking about earlier how I feel like people shouldn't have the cartridges like in that because you should play them. That that's an exception. If you have a game that's worth ten thousand, well, that you can take out. Much money it's worth. Um, you should protect it. Well, that you can take out though. The games you get slabbed, you can't. Easily open them. You got to crack them up with a hammer. How nervous were you to take those out to film that video? Were you nervous that I, James was more nervous? James was more, more nervous than me. I think he was more nervous. Yeah, he was more nervous. I think he was like, oh, like like even when we we had the, when, when we did the scene where we destroyed him, we like even though we we're being we like triple checked to make sure the ones we were destroying with the hammer was the, was the, was the fake ones, you know, that we made there. We we're like, okay, those are the fake ones over here. Those are the real ones. Like we were both like eight times like, okay, we're destroying the fake ones here. The real ones over there, like we were that paranoid about it. Right. You know, we took the hammer to it. I mean, this, this could probably go into a whole nother um, topic, but uh, writing with James, because you helped to write that video, and you, you I, and uh, very few other people have, I think, had the experience to write uh, something nerd material with James. Um, yeah. Definitely uh, Kevin for the AVGN movie. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I had nothing to do with writing anything for the movie, but, um, what, I guess the question really is, what was that like as far as, um, working back and forth with the writing portion of James for the, for that Nintendo world championship, Angry Video sure. Game Nerd episode 104. Yeah. I just missed the freaking Blu-ray that came out. <laughs> I just missed it by four episodes. But it'll be on the next one. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm one of the few. If you, I, I guess maybe Doug Walker has written some material for the ABGN character. Uh, I think with the when they did the uh, whatever that video was, the, the the fight, the fight. I think they, yeah, I think Doug came up with some stuff for that. Yeah, sure. But I guess I, I guess along with me and you, we were the privileged ones. I, I guess I've written uh, part of the NWC, and then I did the crossover from a couple of years ago, the two part with Bayou Billy and Punisher. Oh, that's, I, that's uh, right. I forgot about that too. That, yeah, that's right. Um. And so I did that, and I've done the all but one of the um uh the special exclusive the charity, ones for the, the end of the marathon. Yeah. So you can say I've written like six things with the nerd character, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but but going back to the original one, um, it was very great going back and forth because me and James, uh, I think one of the reasons we get along, we have very similar sensibilities. I think when it comes to what we think works mm-hmm. in terms, of, I guess, of a narrative, and, and our comedy sensibilities are the same. Even though our personalities, I think, are are, are different. Uh, yeah, our are. comedic sensibilities are similar. Mm-hmm. So the way that worked was literally first dr- like drafts going back and forth, uh, you know, with me writing in lines for him. And then of course he'd revise the nerd lines. I revised the Pat lines since we can both, you know, write our own characters better. And that's how we sort of built it up with that. And then ideas, but it went through about three or four rounds. And that script originally was like, uh, it was going to be like a 25 minute r- video. Originally I had written in stuff where like, we were playing, it was like, it's going to be like Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Like we were playing battleship against each other. And then we did this thing and this, and then, then we got to the game. But then we, we had to narrow it down to something we could shoot one day. Originally James thought we were going to shoot that in two days. And no, no, James, we got to, we got to shoot this in one day. I only hear one day. I, I, I was friends with James when he was just James. And then, and then, he, just then one day he became the nerd, you know? Um, so it's, when you met him and you are, you knew him already as the nerd, was it weird for you to find out that he's like he's like just a he's just like a nice guy he's like re- he's really absolutely nothing like the character he is a definition of definition of mild mannered where it's right. like he's like the most he's calm the serene absolute opposite of the nerd character so was I, that was that weird for you at first where you're like wait a second this guy isn't like the character when I, well the first time I really talked to him was when I was at SGC 2010 where we had like lunch together after he got mobbed and I I couldn't tell maybe he was just really tired. Or he didn't want to talk to me. It was hard. I was like, oh, because I'm I'm very outgoing. He, he can be you quiet know, a lot. Yeah, he was very quiet. But then I thought maybe he just didn't. Maybe he said, oh, this guy's an asshole. But no, it was just that's the way he is. Yeah. Bring, bring, think was, you want to get him talking? Bring up like uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world, or the Three Stooges, or something like that, or Godzilla, and he'll start talking. <laughs> or, or, or metal bands or something. Metal or, bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, it's got to be. He's got to be interested in the subject matter. <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. Uh, I guess like but, anybody, though, you know. Yeah, talking about oh, yeah, I think I, t- I remember talking about, about just film and things we had in common. But uh, yeah, but getting back to but to that that episode we shot, it was interesting because no one knew who I was in two thousand. I mean, people don't, still don't know who I am now. But I mean, compared to two thousand ten, I had like three thousand subscribers in two thousand ten. Here's here's uh, James, the, like the biggest guy on YouTube, doing collaboration with some asshole that no one knows. So that's why. I think James is very special because a lot of YouTubers wouldn't do that. A lot of YouTubers will just look at your subscriber account and say, fuck you. I'm not even going to talk he, to you. He doesn't regardless. think like that. He doesn't care exactly. about that. He just he, cares about, he, the, figured, he cares about the con the content and yes. how, and how it's, how the, how the video would come out. Would it make a good video? And if it would, if he sees merit in it, then, then he'll do it. He doesn't care about the popularity shit. Yeah. That's why. And that's why I always will respect James and always will be loyal to him because of that, because he could have just said, nah, screw you. Right. Obviously. Yes. I got the gold NWC card. But you know he he still didn't have to. He could have said, "Oh, I'll, let me borrow it." And I would have said, right. "Okay, just borrow it." Right. You know, but it was a cool script. Um, 
a lot of the funniest stuff we ad lived on set, we thought of on the spot, like the combat thing, the combat, combat. Like it was funny stuff we thought of, or the little looks, or this little interaction. We sort of spiced it up as we went. And we, we were, I think we were good at doing that. Um, and, and suggestions behind the scenes, though, uh, when it was edited, there was. I, I remember the, the biggest, the biggest thing which we had to iron out was the ending. We we had two very different sort of ways we wanted the video to go at the end. Very different, mm-hmm. uh, and of course we ended up going with his version because at the end of the day it was it was a nerd video, which was fine. Well, that was that was the only thing that we really had a disagreement on was the ending of that video. That, that was the only... that point that you bring up is um, very important, and that goes to with me when when I've helped him out with episodes is um, the same exact thing. If if I come up with an idea or if I uh, you know, if I'm playing the game or whatever, whatever my contributions are, it has to go through James. So mm-hmm. he has to, basically he has to approve. He is, he's the nerd. He, it, it's his show. So if I come up with something, he might take it and maybe he'll use it just right from what I did. But a lot of times he'll take what I did and he'll improve upon it or change it or whatever. Um, so like what you're saying, you're like, oh, I had this idea and James had this idea, but we went with James' idea because it's his show. Same same exact thing for me. Like sometimes he'll take my ideas, but and sometimes I'll, I might disagree. But it's oh, at the end of the day, it's always James' call with, with everything. Sure. You know? I remember though. To me, to me, that video though. I mean, obviously it was his video, but it was basically fifty fifty on writing and mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, uh, I remember maybe he wasn't used to it. And I'm like, he's probably like, what the hell is this guy, Pat? After he showed me the first rough cut, I sent them back like twelve different suggestions of edit changes. Yeah, he must have been like, "Holy shit, this fucking asshole!" But to his credit, though, he made some of them and, and was like, "Oh, that was actually a better idea to do it that way." I was right. like, "Oh, that's cool." But the end, the ending though was the only thing that we really had a different disagreement. I wanted to go with a much more subtle ending, like I tend to do with my videos, and he wanted the, you know, hands around the throat, like oh yeah, big dramatic, yeah, dramatic oh, yeah. oh yeah. He wanted to go. I wanted to tell more, have more of a message with my ending. And you know what? He, you know what? If if you think about it, if you think about the nerd series and the episodes, you you can understand like that's kind of the style of of the yes. show. You know, he so to, I would I, wanted, in that case, I would have to agree with James because yeah. that's more fitting to what the show is. No, no. Looking back, yeah, of course it yeah. worked out fine. Yeah, people, people, people. I think I think that's one of the more memorable. I mean, he's done 150 of these things, but that's I think it's one of the more memorable. Almost. We're we're, on, we're more... actually we just shot one 149 the other day. So I think not not the two way on horn. I think that's one of the more memorable episodes because of that's, the whole interaction. It's a little different. It is a good you know. one. Yeah. But but to James' credit though, when he let me do the Bayou Billy Punisher two parter, um, I guess he trusted me enough to say, "Okay, Pat, run with it," and um, it. it I thought it turned out well. You saw part of the filming of it at the end. I remember my dramatic line delivery at the I, end. I was there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But I liked. I liked that he gave him the opportunity to sort of mine an area of the character. I think that hadn't been seen before. Or let's maybe go into a more not the darker recesses of the nerd mind, but what would be the motivation behind how this character would actually live and interact with another person? Right. And what would he actually do? What's so what's great about having you in there um, in an episode or having uh, having a guest on or having something different that that's awesome because like you just said it's almost 150 episodes now and people people now say oh why does it take so long to make episodes now it's because we want the we want the show to be really good and you know having you on the show is 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 a good example of doing something different it's not just James uh, playing playing the game because it's like you know what he's done that 150 whatever times. Um, 
So it's it's always about how do we keep this fresh? How do we keep it interesting? Well, I, I found that Seaman game. I, I was at a game store and I saw that it was it was Dreamcast. The nerd had never done a Dreamcast game. It was um there was a microphone with it. It was mm-hmm. Leonard had had Leonard Nimoy had something to do with it. And yeah. um and it was like this weird fish tank thing. And it was so different and so bizarre that we were like, this would make a good episode because the nerd has never tackled anything even remotely like this so so we're at a point now that it's like how do how do we do something a little different so with your episode episode 104 um that's a good example of yeah it was very different and that's what that's what made it a good episode and um that's exactly why they take a little longer to do now because we have to really think about what can we do that we haven't done before so that's the question and 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 I, I think you're gonna enjoy the episode that we, the next episode we have coming up because it is different it's, and it's good. So maybe past steps into the nerd universe in the future again. Who knows? That's not. I don't know. <laughs> I never know. Maybe maybe it's it's uh, James comes through your window at night and <laughs> comes to strangle well, you or who knows. Well, we've we've basically done two if you count if you count the well it's yeah it's it's in the nerd universe I guess my my episode with, with the viability right, one right right, uh, right but you know we. Uh, James was cool. He let me do that. He, he let me. He let me explore the character, of the nerd being a little bit of an asshole mm-hmm. to his quote unquote friends, which I thought was interesting. Um, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe Pat will make a cameo if they ever do a, a future nerd uh, movie. Uh, a second one. Maybe Pat will be a cameo on that one. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Ran, but, random but, gamer number eight. You know, it's funny. I think it's funny that we we have the ability. I remember when we did the uh, super off road. Remember we did the, the James and Mike recordings. You, I like the fact that you had no problem cursing and telling me to fuck off in those videos because other people would, would have got offended by that. But I didn't give a shit because I knew that was like it was just it was just good for the I mean, video. I, I would hope that you know that I'm joking around. Oh yeah, you know? but other people were like, "Well, oh, fuck him. He's being mean and powerful. I don't care. This right. is funny as hell. Right. That's still one of the funniest things I think ever. I think someone put out like a, a, a gif of us when we lose our minds talking about. Ivan and Ivan Stewart eating ass, and then we, I start laughing, <laughs> you start laughing, and all of a sudden yeah. James looks at us both and just yeah. starts losing yeah. his shit. Yeah. You remember that? We, yeah, I do. We, we have we have a lot of fun when we when we film those. We're gonna have to have you on James and Mike Mondays uh, again when when you come out here. So that that'll yeah, be a be lot great. of fun. I, and I'm not gonna yeah. play anymore, Ivan. I, we're gonna pick something else. <laughs> Ivan Iron Man Stewart super mm-hmm. off road. Nope. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can try doing Bomberman again. Bomberman two. Again. We'll find something to play. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Pat, it was it was good talking to you. Um, I really enjoy the podcast that you do with Ian. I think that's awesome. Um, I, I listen to that all the time, and I'm going to continue to listen to that. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to uh, do whatever this is, a little podcast thing. It was fun. Uh, I'd like to do it again sometime. Uh, I think that you and I have a lot of um, common interest. We both are from New Jersey. Uh, we're both, I think, roughly around the same age, and um, I think that uh, we both have a common love of uh, video games. And uh, uh, So it was fun. We both spend way too much money on on video games and probably much to our mental health chagrin. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to plug real quick? You, you got the, the Cinemaster going, James and Mike Mondays. You have an AVGen Adventures game. You have a new one in development as well. I'm not going to plug anything. I'll plug my book, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library. Buy Pat's book. That's all, all right. right. And we'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this uh, wow two-hour conversation with Mike Matei. Thanks for watching, guys. Take care.